Hayes, Lauren, and RJ. The Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Day three from the NFL Combine here in Indianapolis. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carlion with you. RJ Saunders back at World Headquarters. Lauren Brooks on vacation, as you know, if you've been following along this week. Mia O'Brien with us on the road will join us a little bit later on. Uh, from uh, Excel Prime Time, day three, lot to talk about. Busy day today now. Great day. Crazy. Yeah, a lot of fun today uh, with uh, the corners coming in, and I, I firmly believe we uh, we saw the first round pick today. I I I I'd put that at eighty percent. Uh, high confidence that uh, that the the Jaguars' first round pick was was in the building today. And uh, I think it's exciting. I mean, listening to Terry and Arnold from Alabama, I thought he was incredibly impressive. You're talking about cornerbacks, by the way. Corners. For people that yep. don't know why you're yep. saying that, you yep. think it'll be a corner, you think one of those corners is Yeah. Did I leave that out? No, yeah. you, it's okay, uh, Corners, yes. And, uh, yeah, so I thought uh, Terry and Arnold was outstanding. Uh, Toledo, Quinion Mitchell was uh, really fun to, to hear him talk about what the Senior Bowl did for him. And uh, and in and, and a cool story. You know, process. He went to Toledo because of poor grades. He was asked, you know, why didn't you get in the portal? And he was like, I easily could have, uh, but I didn't want to indulge in any of that. I wanted to stay loyal to Toledo because they were the ones that gave me a chance. And uh, I know uh, Mia was really impressed with Rakestraw out of Missouri. I, I got to listen to Enos talk for uh, a few minutes and, uh, and and certainly enjoyed that as well. So I, I think of those three. There were others, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Uh, obviously, Clemson has a big-time corner here, Murphy. So, I mean, a lot of a uh, lot of great players there, and I thought the the group looked good. Uh, and then you had Brock Bowers uh, earlier today as well as the tight ends came in. So a lot of fun today, and uh, yeah, I think it's uh, if you're looking for a corner in this draft, particularly at 17, I, I think you're going to really like the value that's there. Yeah, the uh, conventional thinking is, and this is gleaned from everything we thought beforehand, visiting with Trent Balky and Doug Peterson here. That the the and look there's you want to improve every area, but the areas of concern that jump off the page and I specifically asked this to both guys when I had them a couple of days ago, what what more than anything else got your attention? It's both lines of scrimmage, the interior of it, and and cornerback. I mean, no one's going to say that's what we're doing, but number one, that's what a lot of teams do, and so uh, so cornerbacks were here today. If they're able to enjoy, address the lines of scrimmage, and look, the offensive line of scrimmage might be just not cutting Cam Robinson re-upping Ezra Cleveland, who you have to get something done with. You could play walk a little at right guard, and you're, and you're off and running. You know, so you, you may not, that may not inquire, require a lot of new people. Then you bring in competition at center and whatnot. So, so we'll see what winds up happening. But the cornerbacks are here. That's kind of your point. Uh, the cornerbacks were here. Uh, a lot to do today on the program. Let me kind of lay, give you the lay of the land. We are going to be loaded today now. In just a few minutes, our friend Kevin Kaplan, you hear from him on a regular basis. He is the, uh, the, the team surgeon. Uh, he has been here doing uh, evaluating players. Eighty-three of them today, by the way. He had eighty-three. Wow. Uh, Seventy-four, I think, yesterday. Eighty-three today. So he'll tell. He'll tell us. I love it when he kind of goes through the process, what it really is like, who you really talk to, what kind of guys you talk to. So that comes up on the program today. Uh, Mia had some good interviews. She caught up with Chris Sims, a good one-on-one with Chris Sims from NBC Sports, and Rick Spielman now works for CBS Sports. Uh, .com, uh, a, lot, a name that a lot of people thought might be winding up in Jacksonville at some point. So never happened. But he's now a football analyst. So uh, uh, Mia with Chris Sims later on, Mia with Rick Spielman later on. I'm able to catch up with Matt Taylor. He's the third of our three-part series, uh, play-by-play voices of the AFC South. 
Uh, Mike Keith two days ago, the voice of the Titans. Mark Vandermeer yesterday, the voice of the Texans. And Matt Taylor today is the voice of the Indianapolis Colts. Does Taylor still do a mean Marv Albert? You know what? I forgot to ask him. Shame on me for not doing it. We should have wrapped the interview. Because every other time I've done it, I've asked oh, him to do a little Marv. It's unbelievable. I did not do it today, but he will be with us at 4 o'clock. Pete Prisco stops by live at 420. Um, uh, Bucky Brooks will be on. Bucky Brooks, by the way, knows football about as well as anybody you know. And he, I want you to listen to that. That will be on at 5 o'clock today. Bucky really explains if you want to know kind of where the Jaguars maybe went wrong a little bit, I think Bucky Brooks today at 5 o'clock will give you the best explanation. I really believe this, Hayes. The best explanation of kind of where it might have gone wrong a little bit. Remember, this is the guy that's in the locker room at halftime of every game. This is a guy that, that hears Doug talk to the players, hears the players respond, looks in their eyes. This is a guy that's a former player, former scout, that's able to look in their eyes as they're running out of the locker room for halftime or even before. And he's got some real interesting takes. So I want you to listen. Bucky I'm Brooks today. To yeah, Bucky will be on at 5 o'clock today. So, uh, really, if you want to kind of look back at last year's Jaguar season, where you go forward, uh, really good takes. Danny Thompson, our buddy who's here with some of his quarterback guys, uh, he'll be here at 520 today. Then we'll, so, we're loaded, man. We, Bucky Brooks, Denny Thompson, Pete Prisco, Rick Spielman, Chris Sims, Matt Taylor, Kevin Kaplan. That's all on today's program. So, uh, so they're all better than you and me, okay? So, so, no, so, no so, we're, we're at the back of the bus on that yeah. group. So, uh, but it really is a good group. So, we, we're excited about uh, – we are loaded up almost every segment with, uh, with an important guest here, and that's why we come to the NFL Combine. So uh, we are happy to be here uh, at the Combine. All right, other things uh, uh, that are of news today that we'll get to at some point, all NFL-related. Did you see the reports now that are coming out that the NFL might now go to the XFL-USFL kickoff plan? They should go to it. They should go to it. Yeah. And, and it, it, for people that didn't watch it, I'm going to try and tell me if I get it. I'm, I'm explaining it incorrectly. But essentially, there's two components to it. The one is to – to cut down on the collisions, correct. Which means players are going to when the you can't move until the ball's caught, mm-hmm. and when the ball's caught, players are about five yards away from each other, rather than the running start where they're thirty or forty yards away from each other they collide. So the blockers and the tacklers, all that is all twenty-one players, including the kicker. There's presumably twenty-one players blocking or tackling, and one guy with the ball. And so so the blockers and tacklers are five yards away from each other. Well, that's going to make it harder to cover. It's also going to make fewer co- co- collisions. And if they adopt this, and if they do it the way the USFL and the XFL did it, a touchback comes out to the 35, not the 25, the 35. So it, it, it encourages you not to kick the ball into the end zone. Here's why it's such a good rule. It's a wasted play now. Right. I mean, every kickoff's a touchback. Every kickoff in the Super Bowl was a touchback. Yeah, yeah. All 13. Yeah, so, so it's a wasted play. It's there's, a wasted play. There's no point having a play. The reason they moved the extra point from the 3-yard line to the 15-yard line and made it a 33-yard kick, not a 20-yard kick, is it, it's still kind of a wasted play, but it's less of a wasted play. So, uh, so I think that – and let me tell you this, too. If that happens, that's advantage Jaguars – because I'll put Jamal Agnew up against most of the return guys. If he gets a chance, if Jamal Agnew gets to play with this rule, I think that's a big advantage for the local team. Yeah, his uh, re-signing him, which I think is is already an important. Well, we don't, this goes we don't talk about Agnew a lot right. in terms of impending free agency, but absolutely. I mean, I, I think he's important to re-sign, but certainly if, if the kickoff is going to get changed, because we know what he can do. Uh, is a punt returner, and now if the kickoff is going to be more in play, 
I'd be surprised if it's implemented because it just seems like the wheels just take – they're just very slow with the competition committee. So I'll be surprised if it's implemented this year. But I love the fact that they're talking about it, and I'll commend them for, you know, obviously it came from a different league of more of a minor league league, but it's a good idea. Yes. And, you know, I, I commend them for saying, you know, look, you know, we're, we're not going to let our arrogance get in the way of this. You know, this is a good idea. It would help our game. It would make it a more exciting play. And it brings a lot of strategy into that play. So I think the special teams coordinators are, are very excited about it. Uh, so I, I hope the owners will vote it through. I'd love for it to be implemented this season, but certainly in the near future, if not. It looks like there's a chance for this year. And, if it do, and again, it takes 24 votes. Uh, to change the rule, that's a, that's a 75%, obviously. And, but, again, the, the, the rumor around the combine is that it's got, a, it's got a real chance to get through. So we'll see if that happens. The other thing that, that, that looks like is going to happen, it's in the college realm, Hayes, but there's now more traction than ever after these two years of 12-team playoffs going to 14. Yeah, and, and it looks like it looks like that might happen. Might happen. Well, I, and that's fine. But why is the SEC and Big Ten? You know, what got reported yesterday was, well, the SEC and Big Ten will get three automatics. Correct. But in exchange, they'll give the ACC and the Big Twelve two automatics. That's that's what why would you do that? Right. I mean, that doesn't make any sense for the SEC or Big Ten. You're always going to have three. That I, always. I, so I, why would you concede to letting the ACC and Big Twelve automatically have two? There's years where they may not have to. I think I 100% agree with you, and I think that's why it's going to go through because these smaller conferences, I say smaller, conferences other than the Big Ten and the SEC, that's a win for them. Now, here's the interesting part. This would be the first time that the ACC and Big 12 acknowledge that they're the, the inferior, the inferior com- conferences. They've ne- We've all known it. They know it. Right. All the conferences know it. But they have never allowed it before. Right. This will be the first time that the – and I would make this argument. Forget money for a second. I would think in some recent years, the ACC could make an argument that it's not, there's not that big a gap between the Big Ten and the ACC in terms of football powers. Now, it doesn't matter. We're gonna have, they, they make way more money. They've got way better deals. They've got way bigger schools. So it's going to go through. But I think if I'm the, if I'm the ACC, I'm thinking, okay, they got Ohio State and Michigan. Ohio State's been a dominant team. Michigan only of late has been that. And nobody else in that league's dominant. Penn State's good. Uh, Michigan State's good. But no one else is dominant in that league. So, And I can say, look, we have Clemson and FSU who've been dominant too. You could almost say in the last, in the last 25 years, Clemson and FSU have been every bit as good as Ohio State and Michigan. Can't you? Yeah, absolutely. And then after that, they're all kind of the 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 Big Ten's a little better, but it's close. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's 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 what you said. It's more the marquee. It's more yeah. the the TV power. That's right. Uh, that that separates it. I mean, I I think the Big Ten is is better, but I don't think it's it. To your point, I don't think it's eons better in terms of its depth uh, than the ACC. But uh, but I'll be intrigued to see where this goes. Now there are if if they do this automatic bids thing where it's three for the Big Ten, three for the SEC, two for the ACC, and two for the Big Twelve, and and, and, and one, one for the group, group of, five. of five. That's eleven of the fourteen. Uh, then uh, it it leaves you with three at larges. Now I have to think the SEC and Big Ten are almost going to be assured of getting yeah. two of those three at larges, if not all three. Yeah. 
Um, but it, still, it, I wouldn't do this. If I was the SEC yeah. in Big Ten, because I well, think you're going to get a minimum and, of three and why, every year. And why wouldn't you do this, Hayes? If you're going to guarantee three, three, two, two, one, well, then go to 16. Now you get now you got five at larges, which would make sense for me. You know, then you got five. So, right. so, we'll, so, so we'll talk more about that. But the news of the day, the kickoff in the NFL, the, the expansion of the college football playoffs, something like. We're live in Indianapolis. Glad you're with us. Let's take a break. When we come back, our buddy Kevin Kaplan, the uh, Jaguar team doctors here. He'll tell you, he's tired. does he look tired? He looks worn out to he me. Does, he never looks tired. No, he looks tired to me. You say he does. He I looks, think he does. He, he could look he had, at another 300 He, he had 83 guys today, okay? Yeah. He, 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 that, so that means he touched... 166 knees, okay? <laughs> you have 166 knees, you're worn out. Uh, Kevin Kaplan joins us after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 1010XL takes you to the NFL Scouting Combine. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show, live from Indy. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida. It's an old rock Thursday. Music, the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. There's a federal law. Yeah. <laughs> if you know the I'm law. I'm glad we're not going to jail. You know the laws of the land. If you come to Indianapolis, you've got to play Melon Camp yeah. on Old Rock Thursday. So that's yeah. the law. Well done. Uh, that happened. The second thing that's happening is I do want to introduce and welcome you to the Bowl School reunion. Let's go. We, it's got, great to see you, old chum. <laughs> it's good to see you. <laughs> we're gonna go. We're gonna go yachting right yeah. after this. Wow. We're gonna head down there. So uh, our friend Kevin Kaplan, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. I get to be on Old Rock Thursday. How about that? Right. See, in, in, that's a good day there. It's now. a great day. Usually, I just listen to it on the way home. And now you get it. Now you're <laughs> part of it. It's unbelievable. That's kind of been like a bucket lister for you. It I'm is. Thinking. It <laughs> is. Um, we we have Kevin on every time we come to the combine because it's. It's, I'm fascinated when you tell what you guys do, what, what you guys – I mean, it's all testing. So for people that haven't heard this over the years, tell us how the whole thing works because it's, it's an all-day-long thing. You test them all, don't you? Every single play that comes through. So 300, 321 players uh, come through, and, and uh, you know, it's a little bit of medical detective work. You know, we're, we're seeing these guys. They're, they've been playing football since middle school, and so yeah. there's, a, there's a history where, where they go through with physical therapists, uh, the therapists and the athletic trainers, and, and they get their history forms, and, and they all go get their MRIs and get their scans, and they come into our room, and, and every player is presented. Uh, and we run through from head to toe. And, and, you know, it's starting from the cervical spine all the way down to your toes. Yeah. You know, these guys have unbelievable numbers of injuries. And then it's up to us to kind of synthesize the information, the physical exam, the MRIs that we get, and then come up with a level of risk on, on is it safe to take this player and, and what does this injury mean, what does this MRI scan mean. And we got to be able to relay that information to, to Trent and to Doug and, and to the scouts. And the thing about this, hey, I, I talk to Kevin about this all the time, it's not a grind for the players. They do it one time. It's a grind for you guys. I mean, you, you did 83 players today. 83 today. 83. 83. And how many yesterday? Uh, rough, roughly the same. It's okay. 321 total. Okay. So, I mean, so, I mean, I mean, that's a lot of knees. That's a lot of – Kevin, do you get – and maybe you just said this, but a report that, okay, uh, had an ACL when he was in the ninth grade and an and, uh, elbow when he was in the 11th grade. So you know all that before you before – you, test and prod and all that the players get questionnaires and get spoken to prior to the combine so we go you know if we came here and tried to we, we used to try to do it all here and it's yeah. just a little bit too much and so now teams will split up guys and they'll do a little early questionnaire so we have an idea now players still will, will come here and they'll get mris all the the mri trucks are here underneath lucas oil i don't know if you've ever seen it over there but there's you know the you can get mris you can get ct scans bones any any scan that we want we can get 
Uh, and so there's a lot of information that's done prior to the combine. And so when they come here, it's just about examining, looking over the MRIs. Like this morning, we got up early before, you know, we started exams around 8. Yeah. But Robbie and I were sitting in front of a computer at 630 going over MRIs from yesterday. Oh, wow. So we got to go through, you know, 600 plus scans and look at all those MRIs and, and uh, the day before, which will do the same thing wow. tomorrow. Wow. Yeah. If it's a player that has a injury from this past season, let's talk about like Jordan Travis, for instance. It's a player that went through something pretty gruesome. Uh, how does that process work if it's a player that's coming here with something that happened pretty significantly within the last six months? Yeah, a lot, there are guys that have had ACLs recently, obviously broken bones, and, and things like that happen all the time. And, and so a lot of those guys, will they'll come to, to the combine, will get some initial radiographs, x-rays, MRIs, maybe a little bit of an exam, but then there's a combine recheck, and that's right before the draft. And so there'll be an X number of players. We used to come here for a day and do it, but now we do that via Zoom. The players will still come here. I'll be on a Zoom call with all the other uh, head team physicians and athletic trainers, and we'll get a little bit of an update right before the draft. You know, give them as much chance as possible to heal. Now, some guys may not be ready, and that's, an, again, another piece of information that we relay. Say this may be a PUP candidate, or, or he may be not ready for OTAs, but he'll be ready for training camp. So all of that goes into play when they're, when they're drafting the player. And the scan stuff, you see it right away. Very, yeah. I mean, I mean, see, I mean the, the, we in the public, you know, you get an MRI next Friday, <laughs> and you get the result right. the following Tuesday. Yes. But, I mean, this, this I mean, you'll, you'll this see. This is real time. So, so, and, there's a, and the MRIs aren't scheduled before you meet with them. You might meet with them and say, you know what, let's take a little peek, right? Isn't that kind of? That, that's correct. Yeah, the, a player will come in the room, and, and the presenter may go over all the injuries that he had, and, and I may raise my hand and say, you know what, I want to get a, a CAT scan because I want to see if that bone is really healed. Yeah. An X-ray yeah. Or I want to get an MRI to see what the soft tissue looks like. So everything's kind of ready, readily available right. in terms of what right. we all want. So players in there with you, um, you say, you know, I want an MRI of the knee. He gets done. That's it. He goes right to the right to the trailer or whatever it is. Yeah, so he'll get the MRI either later today or this evening. I mean, there's some guys that are getting five, six, seven MRIs that haven't been pre-screened, and they may be I mean, really. That, that, it takes a long time. So, so, I'm, so I'm done. So I'm done with you at ten. I'm 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 wide receiver guy, and I'm but I've had an ACL as a junior, and I'm and I'm done with you at ten thirty. You may say, listen, at two o'clock. I mean, it's an appointment type thing, right? That's correct. Yeah, they line them up in in, in the scanners, and they'll they're they're running those scanners. Pretty much all the time until we get done with with our our event. Oh, you Matt, I mean, I, yeah. it's crazy. At yeah. what point do you give your report to Trent and Doug on cons- guys you're concerned about? Yeah, so there is a we have actually a sit down medical meeting, uh, and we sit in in the draft room, and he will literally run through each player, uh, and it's you know the kind of the, for him the doom and gloom part of it, right? Because I have to say some guys are don't have a health risk or have a health problem. And like I told you before, I mean, some medical risk factors, there are fixable things. Let's say you have a shoulder labrum tear, which is a cartilage that's torn, and the player's been playing with it. Maybe he dislocated at one time. That's a medical risk, but certainly it's a medical risk that you can fix. Now, there are other medical risks, things like arthritis, cartilage loss, wear down, those may not be fixable. And, and so that's a different level of risk. It's a can this player make it and can he make it in his first contract can he then make it to a second contract so we sit down and he will literally run through every player and i have my dictation so during today you know today for instance i dictated on and typed on every player that we saw because obviously i'm not going to remember every player but i have everything at my disposal when we have that medical meeting toward right a week or two before the draft kevin kaplan with us the jaguar team doctor they uh, they go crazy now who you paired with what, what teams 
So it's always the same. Where it's, Jets? It's us, the Jets, the Titans, the Chargers, and the Bengals. Okay, and it's always that way. Always that way. So they're your buddies. Yeah, every, every You kind of know those guys. It's been 15 years. I guess you don't count them. Of the same group. Same group of guys. Yeah, I mean, the, the doctors have changed. The Chargers doctors changed because when they went from San Diego to right. L.A. But the same team. Same teams, yeah. Kevin, how often, how often has, or at all, have the Jaguars been honed in on a guy and you've had to back him off? Is that happen a lot like, like we were going to take a guy – you don't know that because you don't know where you're going to show in the draft. I know that, but right. but you certainly know who they they certainly know who they like. We like the guy, and you've had to back him off a guy because you saw something that nobody knew existed. Yeah, I, I, you know that happens in that meeting uh, where they may be interested in a player, and, right. and we lay out there here are the medical risks, and and that may you know that may change the way he yeah. thinks about that player. I mean, medical is part of it. Obviously, you know I'm not part of the skills and the, the sure. quality of players outside of my pay grade, but I do say hey, this is a medical risk because of this. And, and so, yeah, I think it can certainly change things on any – I mean, look at, you know, the famous example for us was Miles back in the day. Miles yeah, Jack, you know, right. that was a big medical risk. And we ended up you know, kind of going that way. But certainly that could change the whole dynamic of, of what so, we're trying to do. So would you – if I remember right, the Miles Jack thing was – his knee was fine, but it might not be fine in a few years. I'm oversimplifying it, but it was something yeah, yeah, like that. He, was, he came out with with some issues in his knees, and that all, uh, that all teams were concerned about. And you told and you told your boss. Yep, at the it time. was Dave at the time. Yep, you you Dave told Dave, Dave, listen, just so you know, this is blah blah blah. Correct. And 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 but it took the chance, and it was a good risk. He's still playing. The second day, right? And yeah. and, uh, and I remember what, what's the risk now? Medical yeah. risk. I said, well, it's the same as day one for me. I mean, what do you mean? You right, know? right, right. That's a good. But but, I mean, that, but that's a good example. Right. That listen. That, so let me ask you. Now that it's over, I wouldn't have asked you at the time. I, I never asked you about current stuff because I, I don't want to put you in position. But now it's over. Did you think it was a mistake taking him? Absolutely not. You didn't. You you I mean, thought it was okay. Yeah, the, and we knew I'm the talking risk. about from a medical standpoint. From medical standpoint, but we knew the risk. Okay. You know, there's a difference between, to me, um, uh, a cardiac risk, a heart problem. Yeah, I that's, hear you. That's life and death. I hear you. And, and then there's you know cartilage issues that a guy's been playing with. Yeah, and there's so much that goes into it. where is that cartilage issue? Where is this? You know, how does that fit into his knee? And, and so there's so much that you can kind of tease out. Yeah. So, you know, was I confident he could make it through a contract? Yeah. I was. And then after that, it was kind of icing on the cake. And, and he's just, you know, he's a tough player. He plays. You know? Is there been a time where you you warned him and they took a guy anyway? You thought, oh, shouldn't have done that? It's been 15 years worth. I mean, has that ever happened? Um, I guess that we've had some players where yeah. there was a risk or there was right. a concern. Now, it's never been to the point where – it was like not a, that you thought it'd be a disaster. You right. just uh, I don't know if I did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the, the, like medical like grade five. We we grade them. Right? Okay. And so okay. I, I I've never you know put someone at such a high risk and they took that play. What's the worst? What's the worst grade? A fail. Like a grade five. Fail. Okay. So so there's there's five levels. Yeah. So for if, us, so yeah, it seems different. Okay. So so you if you had you've never said put a grade five on somebody they took them anyway. Right. No. No. Okay. And it's rare for an orthopedic five. I mean that literally means you can't. You're really messed up. Yeah, th- those are more. How about fours? Have they yeah. taken any fours? Absolutely. Okay, they take some fours. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, this stuff's fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and again, I, if I'm putting you on the spot, I apologize. I, I don't remember if James Robinson was a combine invite. He was undrafted, so I don't know that he was here. But he had, obviously, knee issues. And, yeah. and you know, it seems like that's really hurt his career. Did What was it like kind of? with James on the Jaguars, and, and what did he have to kind of deal with? Yeah, you know, the undrafted guys are different than the guys that are in the combine because that kind of information we try to gather yeah. from 
history from yeah. reports and, and try to give them our best guesstimate of is there a problem because we're not getting the scans, we're right. not getting the exams. And that's why the combine started to begin with is we had no idea how these guys medically, you know, were doing. Um, but, uh, you know, he did, he did great, you know, he, with his knees, the, the, the way they were, a little bit, little bit beat up, a little bit of cartilage wear, and, but, he, you know, never was really an issue while he was with us. Obviously, then he tore his Achilles, and that was a totally different story. Uh, but he did great. No issues there. But but there but but there were some chronic knee things with him. I was yeah. told after the fact. Correct. Not by you, but just with others that that there were some chronic knee things that were always going to that started hampering him. And he's talented, but it almost seems like every stop he goes, it's like just for a couple months, mm-hmm. and then maybe they realize it's, how tough it is for him to be but it's available. Knee st- but it's knee stuff with him. It's not. It's not that we have from the Achilles, right? No, the Achilles did great. Yeah, I, I haven't really seen a medical report right. of him in a while. To, to be yeah. honest with you, but yeah. uh, I mean, it was one of one, one of the things that was hindering him when he was playing with us. You know, I mean, honestly, it doesn't really seem like there's that many players in the league. And correct me if I'm wrong, that like have to. Re- you don't hear a lot about exceptional player had to retire at 25 because of a health issue. Right. It would have to be something major like a heart issue or a heart problem. A lot of these things, whether it's cartilage, um, you know, wear and tear type problems, you can manage those types of issues. And then you get the labrum tears, the cartilage tears, and the, the ACL tears, and those things that we can fix, make right, get them back to where they were anatomically and get them back on the field. So I th- to your point, I, I think some of those things we just have to learn how to manage. And I think we're getting better at it. I think our technology is getting better. I think you know, biologic injections and platelets and PRPs and things like that are, are ways that we're trying to manage. It's not the old days of, of here, take some you know, Tylenol and, and give a cortisone injection. That, that really has fallen by the wayside. With, you know, and that's good. It is. Yeah. And, and even in our training facility, yeah. uh, the, the way we treat our athletes and the, and the rehab type things yeah. that they have now, you know, Ultra G treadmills and underwater treadmills and, and BFR, which is blood flow restriction therapy, to get them off their legs but still build their muscles. We have a lot better ways to keep them healthy. Kevin, what's the uh, most drastic surgery, Jaguar surgery I do? Marquis Lee? Is that, that number? Was that first? I think that would be one just because yeah. of the severity of how many ligaments he injured. It was three, wasn't it? Yeah. It was yes, three. It was. It was, it was, yeah. I remember we, you and I in talked about it. In a preseason about, game, yeah. too. Yeah. 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 I'm still friends with him. He comes into town every once in a while. Does he? Come over yeah. the house. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's a great guy, you know, just yeah. a happy-go-lucky great guy. And he's doing well. I remember talking to you. We didn't do it publicly, but it's long enough now I can tell. I remember talking to you right after the surgery. Yeah. And you yep. said, did fix all three. Mm-hmm. At the same time, yep. fix all three. Fix PCL, MCL, ACL. Correct. That, that that's got to be way unusual, right? It is. I mean, and we we've seen some guys come through here and that have these injuries and high impact injuries, yeah. and I mean, those are tough tough injuries. But again, I, I think the way that we fix these things now and the technology has certainly improved. I mean, back you know thirty forty years ago, you have an ACL injury. And, and you're looking at a kiss of death. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and now we have these multiple ligament injuries, and we can get these guys back on the field. It's pretty neat. It's, it's amazing to see that. It is. I'm glad you, you brought up 35 years ago. If Bo Jackson suffered his injury today, would it end his career, in your opinion? Interesting question. Um, you know, I, I think that injury, the way it happened um, – he injured some blood vessels in his hip, from what I recall, because of that dislocation. I think that's right. I think that's right. And, you know, you get something called avascular necrosis where the bone can die from that. Uh, but whether or not we could have gotten around that or, or done a decompression or something, who knows? Uh, you know, that, that was a, a little bit different of an animal than just a ligament reconstruction. 
Um, yeah, that was a bad one. I remember Who, that. Who's the the Dallas linebacker from Notre Dame? Don't know uh, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith that suffered was the injury in the Fiesta. Remember that? Had the drop foot. The drop foot. He came back. Yes, yeah, but I mean, there, there was a lot of doubt about him, right? Well, a lot of doubt about him just because he couldn't yeah. move his foot. What is drop foot? Tell people what that drop is. Drop foot is you know when you have a significant enough injury in the knee, uh, if your knee almost dislocates, there's a nerve that runs around the lateral side of your leg called the perineal nerve, and that's what allows you to bring your foot up. Okay. And if you stretch that nerve, you can get what's called a foot drop. That nerve just either stretches too far, and the yeah. electrical signal then is not there. And so he came in with a drop foot, unable to lift his foot up. And the surgery obviously decompressed the nerve, did the reconstruction. He got some of his power back in that foot. But that was the big question mark. He's uh, not, he's out, is he out of the league now? Yeah, I think he might be now. But yeah. he at least got yeah. He got to play. He, he, probably got, he probably got some yeah. money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, um, I, got, I got one uh, non-football question in a minute, but I want to say one, one thing. Are we, where are you on are we doing enough with CTE? Are you comfortable now? I think we are. I think we're still learning. Uh, there were some talks last night at our big medical meeting. We, we do our case presentations, and you know, they're looking at, at different things that happen to the brain now on, on more of a um, you know, microscopic level, so to speak, looking yeah. at biomarkers. Are there ways for us to test the blood if you're ready to go back? Are there other things we can use? There are instrumented mouthpieces that they're yeah. looking at that measure G-forces. And, and they're trying to see if the amount of G-forces you can then translate into how much energy goes into each hit. And, and does that help us decide oh, wow. whether or not someone should be evaluated? And they're doing that with rugby. Yeah. Uh, and so it, I, I think we're continuing to improve. I think we caught it at a point where we know that we should get these guys out of the game and let their brains rest. And, and now I think we're kind of going further and looking at biomarkers and blood work and, and ways that we can measure these forces at, at, a, at a higher level. If you had to predict in, in 10 years when we're talking about this, is there a medical breakthrough and advancement uh, that we could see in the next 10 years that, that has you excited about or, or something that you, you see a, an acceleration in treatment occurring? I think it's the, the biologics, being able to use stem cells, platelet-rich plasma, the things that, that we can enhance our repairs it's not all just hammers and nails and screws to, to do an acl it's can you biologically make this stronger can you make it heal quicker uh, and so and, and and cartilage work in general I and mean, if we have a way to to really deal with these cartilage injuries that we see could we prolong the longevity of guys careers that before if they lose yeah. a piece of cartilage we used to do something called a micro fracture and that's kind of gone by the wayside because oh, it really really? didn't work yeah. oh, wow. and so now we're, we're looking at can we put a piece of cartilage in can we suture it in can we implant it in so the the biologic era to me is the most exciting part of this new frontier of, of orthopedics does the tightrope ankle do you like that? Does that bother you at all, or is tightrope ankle, that's perfectly fine? I think that's per tightropes are great. Um, instead of the screws that we used to put across, it would break. The tightrope gives a little bit of play, but it allows those two bones to, to heal, the ligaments between those two bones to heal. So I think it's a great surgery. Are the Jags healthy? I don't ask you that right at the time, but it's been long enough. Now, Christian Kirk, I've seen him. He looks like he's good. great, yeah. Everybody good? Yeah, yeah, we had a little bit of a rough patch there, you know, yeah. at the end. and, yeah. and uh, But the guys are coming back, rehabbing and getting strong. And, mm -hmm. you know, knock on wood, hopefully this year we'll kind of Put it all together from an injury standpoint. All right. Well, my, one one non-football question, the same one I ask all the time because it's my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> yeah, I get one pet peeve with sports. I do, but I'm serious. It's a very serious pet peeve. If every pitcher that throws 1,000 miles an hour keeps getting Tommy John, we're doing something wrong. You, you can't, Kevin, you can't have a paradigm where you expect to get injured, right? I mean, am I, am I off the mark on that? No. It's just my biggest, biggest, biggest pet peeve is 
kid comes out of high school, you wait for the time. I mean, it's a major surgery. It, it is. And you're wait, you, we just wait for it to happen. But the number, if you look in the Major League Baseball, how many pitchers, Major League Baseball Come pitchers, back from it. But have had it. Oh, I know. They're, oh, they've all had it. The yeah, hard yeah. throwers have all had yeah, it. Because you know why? That is an abnormal motion. That, yeah. that motion is abnormal. And the actual torque on that ligament, yeah. every pitch has the ability to tear it. Everyone. I mean, the ligament's about this big. It's, that's an inch. Right it an inch, it's right? funny. Whenever I do that surgery yeah. and, I, and I finish the surgery and, and, I, was like, and, and I look at the, at the reconstruction, I'm like, it's amazing to me how important this little strip of a <laughs> yeah. ligament is for, but, but, you know, for pitchers. But I, but I always say this. And, and, I mean, <laughs> if we have a, an injury that you know is going to happen, in 2024, shouldn't we have a way to prevent it before the I surgery? Wish. I, I mean, wish. You know, I mean, it, I mean, it just seems like to me, you 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 wait for you wait for Tommy John on these yeah. guys. I mean, for these young guys, it's unbelievable the torque on the elbow. Yeah. There's nothing guys. like that. I, I know football players get ACLs, and I know there's Achilles, but it's nothing like that. You don't expect it. No. If it ha- you know, with baseball, you expect it. It's just yeah, it's a chronic. Att- most and, of them are chronic attritional overuse. Yeah. Just because you're right, you're throwing hard. You're throwing. Over and over yeah. and over again, yeah. you get these. I think the the Tommy John ligament it's, it's a microstructural problem over time, right? Yeah. A lot of times, guys, I felt it that one time, but it's not that one throw. Yeah. It's the cumul. It's a oh, cumulative throws from the time he was twelve. So that's what it does. So I didn't know that. So it wears it down. It does. If you get an MRI on an all, uh, let's say high school baseball players yeah. in Jacksonville, right? When you look at their ligaments, they don't look like. My ligament, who doesn't okay. throw on a repetitive I basis. See. It I just see. has a little bit of a funky look to it. Can you almost tell it's going to happen? No, okay. you, can't. You, can't. you can't. You hope that that MRI, you know, because we'll get a lot of guys come in. Yeah. Okay, looks intact. There's a little bit of wear there. And okay. the parents and kids will say, what do I do? Well, you know, just keep working on your core and make sure you're not trying to throw it from your elbow. And then and you freaking wait for it to happen. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's kind of the truth. You hope it doesn't. Yeah. It, it does make you wonder if stem cell yeah, something could could that be instead of a post-surgery you know, recovery. Is there anything that could be done with it as a preventative, make it stronger, or just not? I've done some platelet-rich plasma and stuff on baseball players with little partial injuries, and it's, it, you know, knock on wood, it has worked. So I think you're absolutely right. You know, the question is, even if you put, like, an internal brace, like a tightrope, can you put an internal brace in there? Will that help? I don't know. I mean, it's something to look at for sure because you're right. right. It is. It just amazing. It just astounds me. And I see every time I see you, I ask you that. So you're probably tired of answering <laughs> it. By the way, next year I'm going to ask you again. So just say no. Uh, Kevin Kaplan, Team Doctor. So, so tomorrow you got uh, what positions? Uh, tomorrow I think we have the running backs, the wideouts, and the QBs, I believe. Okay. Last day is O-line and okay. punters kickers. So you get, you get 70, 80 more? Arms oh. and legs, legs and Re- knees and shoulders and the whole bit, right? Ready to go. All right, Kevin, thanks, buddy. <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. Kevin Kaplan, the uh, Jaguar team surgeon, all-time good guy and a great, great surgeon, so it's great to have him stop by for a little bit. More in a moment. Uh, Mia will join us. You'll hear from Chris Sims as well. That's coming up. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Live from Indy, Hodges Mazda presents... The Frangie Show at the Combine, brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. It's an old rock Thursday. Music, the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. Don't blame me, it's the law. You gotta follow the law, don't you? Yeah. Law of the land. I was worried, because I don't want to... Be in jail in Indianapolis. No, I mean, you think you broke the law. I'll never get out. If you come, listen, there's a law. 
if you have Old Rock Thursday and you're at the combine, you got to play John Mellencamp. I thought this was going to be like I broke the law and the law won well, that's or something the, like that. I thought we were about to finish a the, song lyric, but the, yes, also John Mellencamp. I yeah. thought I was trying to de- like in my head decipher which direction we were yeah. going. You could also play um, Indiana Wants Me by R. Dean Taylor. Wow, I'm un- not unfor- aware of that Unfortunately, one. that would be a medley of his greatest hits. <laughs> He's a one-hit wonder. You don't know that song, huh? I do not know Indiana that song. Wants Me by R. Dean Taylor. Look it up. It's a good song. I will uh, put that at the top of my list. Mia O'Brien's here. She was a former uh, outside hitter for the uh, Ithaca Warriors uh, volleyball team. <laughs> Libero. Uh, well, not an outside hitter. That was yesterday. Okay. <laughs> a 5-2. <five laughs> a 5-2. I'm understand. never going to be an outside yeah, hitter. It doesn't matter stopping. how good it's, my it's, vertical it's, is. Uh, yeah, she doesn't know yet. Yeah, does she? No. But it's, it's kind of better this yeah. way. That's <laughs> right. Uh, how are you? Good. You've been grinding. You're doing good. Yeah, yeah, definitely in need of the the second cup of coffee. The fact yeah. that I've only had one today is rather impressive. Um, but yeah, ready, ready to get some steps and fresh air yeah. too. But hey, we did a whole heck of a lot today. Yeah. Hayes and I literally said last night we were like, look, our biggest takeaway coming away from today is that the Jaguars are probably going corner at 17, so we need to make an all-out blitz for the corner position, to which I said to multiple people in the media room, I go, and now that Hayes and I did this, Trent Baalke is going to draft right. an offensive lineman <laughs> at 17, well, which is fine, but, like, I'm, but, yeah. you know, but, but it, was, it was great to hear from those defensive backs today. Well, let me just say this. If those defensive backs can play press coverage as well as you and Hayes play press coverage on them, because I, I was over there, Hayes and, Hayes and Mia were locked in. On the on the cornerbacks over there, it, so. it was a fun. And I don't even care if they take a corner. Yeah, like I'm fine if they don't take. Because I honestly think I'm it's not, a pretty deep yeah, class I, too, I, and I, we we had some good conversations with some of the right. later guys yeah. too. Yeah, I'm not rooting for that. No, I just think that when you look at where it's going to fall, I got to think at 17, isn't there going to be two or three or four guys that are prime candidates to go there? I think a lot of it. I was talking to a couple people last night about this. Like I think, and I've been saying it, but. It's becoming more of a reality. I don't think there are going to be a lot of teams to reach for Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. At least not as many as we previously thought. I think that you will see the quarterbacks go one, two, three. I think J.J. McCarthy obviously can help himself this week. If there is a team, i.e. the Atlanta Falcons, that say, you know what, we're picking at eight, but we need a quarterback. Okay. They trade up to five. I'm sure Jim Harbaugh wants to acquire more picks knowing the cap situation they're facing. And then you only have four quarterbacks off the board. And so how does that affect all those other positions in the logjam? Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Chris Sims is an evaluator of them. Give us a quick snippet before we get to your interview. Uh, You talked to Chris Sims earlier today. Yeah, um, I was standing on the media floor with one of our good buddies, Richard Johnson of Sports Illustrated, and, uh, of course, a noted Jaguar fan from the Gainesville area. And I said, hey, looks like Sims is doing availability. If I go talk to him as a Jags fan, would you be interested? And he goes, what are you going to ask him? I'm like, oh, probably about 17. And he goes, no, 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 ask him about 16, as right. in Trevor Lawrence. And I said, no problem. So without further ado, that's where we begin. Here's my interview with NBC's Chris Sims. Please be joined with Chris Sims. Chris, I know you obviously are uh, pretty familiar with a lot of the quarterbacks in the National Football League. Right. You've said some things on the Trevor Lawrence front as he prepares to enter year four of that rookie deal. What are your expectations for Trevor coming off of last season? Well, my expectations are a better year, right? Trevor Lawrence has superstar talent. I mean, we saw that at you know, the end of the, what was that, 2022 season, right? Uh, halfway through the year. He started playing at a level where I went, uh-oh, watch out. I mean, it's game-changing throws. You know, for his size and, you know, for his size, his athleticism is astounding. 
than you see it in person, right? He was clutch in big moments at the end of the game. He was bringing them back. Uh, last year, listen, they hit a little bit of a lull, whether it was drops, you guys couldn't run the ball. That was an issue, right? He was probably arguably the most banged up quarterback in football, right? I think he'd be the first to tell you that wasn't his best year. Made some bad decisions and turnovers and some big moments, right? But, man, I'd be shocked if Trevor Lawrence doesn't bounce back in a big way. I just, being around the guy enough now, right, I've been around him a few times, um, he, he's got the mental fortitude and the leadership and the right attitude where I just go, he ain't buckling. He ain't, this ain't, this ain't, he's not going to like buckle under the pressure and whittle away here. You know, I see greatness in Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, and then with a coach who I think sees the same thing, I'd be shocked if he didn't, who I know can bring it out of him. So I think you have a big bounce back here with Trevor. What was the biggest problem with the offense? Where do the Jaguars need to go? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think the, the run game was really the biggest issue. Your offensive line wasn't the same as the year before. And the fact that, you know, there was never anything you could rely on with Travis Etienne on a consistent basis running the football, uh, I think, one, of course, that hurts. It hurts now the ability to slow down the defensive line in the pass rush. And now defenses start to play a little bit of like, hey, they don't run the ball that good. Let's just worry about stopping the pass, right? And I think that affected their ability to maybe take some shots down the field and get people open down that way, right? That was one of the things during the year I kind of kept saying. I was like, they got to keep coming up with ways to get shots down the field. One, because Trevor can throw it really well deep. But the other thing is just because, you know, the run game wasn't allowing them to do play action. Oh, oh now the safeties are up and boom, we're going over the top, right? So uh, I was kind of like, hey, they got to draw it up in the dirt here and come up with creative ways. But I think it all is kind of based around the O-line of the run game. You fix the offensive line, you fix the run game. Yeah. You don't need to change the play caller? Or do you think, do you buy this buzz in the fan base that the play caller may have been part of the issue? Well, I, I, I don't, you know, listen, the play, I don't think it was their greatest year last year, but I think it was more the things we mentioned already that affected that, right? I think that's the big thing. And, you know, I've always liked, you know, Taylor, Press Taylor, Doug Peterson's offense. If I was going to say one thing that I'd go, hey, I'd like to see more of, it kind of is along the same lines of what I just said, Right. I'd love to see a little bit more game-planned aggressiveness to go down the football field. Because when I watch Jacksonville, I go, man, they got a lot of ways to throw it 5, 10, 15 yards and do all that. But, you know, we need some more ways. Like, you know, we've seen Mahomes in his prime or Josh Allen push the ball down the field, open the field up a little bit, make the defense defend the whole field. I, if I was going to be critical in one area, that would be it. With the 17th overall pick, Ooh. the Jacksonville Jaguars select. It's hard for me right now. You know, and I, I mean, again, I'm not deep into this process, right? I, if you came to me in a month, I'd have a much better feel for all of it. But when I think of Jacksonville right now, you know, again, I think we get back to the O-line conversation. I certainly could see that, right? I think pass rusher, you know, could be another aspect. You look at that over there. And, uh, eh, gosh, I think those are the two positions I probably would hit more than anything. Yeah, I mean, receiver, you might want to add to the group, but I don't think it's a glaring need like, oh, man, we got to have a first-rounder. I don't look at it that way. I think it's kind of up front on both sides of the ball. How about the cornerback situation? Yeah. We heard Trent Balky say on Tuesday, you know, that they need a third corner. Yeah. We know they're about sure. to take the stage here, the value of those guys in the yeah. first round. I think it's kind of got some depth to it, maybe not superstars, but – yeah, yeah. I mean, again, in the NFL right now, like you just saw the Kansas City Chiefs. They got two all pros, basically, in Sneed and uh, McDuffie, basically, in, the, in their secondary. You got it. You got to have some talent there. Right now, when I look at it, like I like Darius Williams. He can play out there. 
I love um, Tyson. Tyson. I love Tyson, right? Like, love him. To me, he's special. And when he's healthy, he's one of the few guys in football I go, ooh, Tyson Campbell on an island can cover anybody, right? But that third guy, it is important. I mean, we know most teams are playing three wide receiver sets and doing all that. So I don't know if that's going to be a first-round type of thing there, but I certainly could see them doing that second, third round for sure. Last one from me. Ryan Nielsen comes over from Atlanta. What do you know about Ryan? What can Jaguar fans expect from him? Yeah, you know, I don't know a ton about Ryan, but I know that – you know, that side of the ball there, I am I was a fan of Atlanta's defense and what they did, right? Uh, I think they're creative. They're game plan specific, right? There's thinking outside the box where I'd turn on the film, and I think that's where, you know, it's very important to be able to think outside the box and have some versatility in your attack. The quarterbacks are too good now to be going like, oh, we're going to play this and just be really good at it. You're going to get torn apart if you do that. So uh, that's where I think I like Ryan Nelson. When I would turn on Falcons film, I'd go, damn, they, this is totally different than how they played last week, and I think that's going to be cool. Yeah. Chris, thanks so much. Our thanks again to NBC's Chris Sims for taking the time. You can check out a whole lot of other interviews on our 1010XL YouTube page as well as our Instagram, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it these days. Um, And we will be putting together a nice little montage of all the different analysts that we spoke with, who they think the pick is at 17. And, boys, I mean, maybe – it's just our our bias of we know how Trent Bulky has operated in drafts previous, but our idea of walking away from his availability Tuesday, Hayes, and saying there's no question they're going corner, that wasn't felt in the national space. I, I think as as our listeners will see and our viewers will see in that in that video I'm going to put together, um, nearly as much as the Jaguars fan base and the Jaguars media. Yeah, it's 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 a good need, uh, and there's great value there. And so it lines up potentially really well for the Jaguars. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, a third of our series of play-by-play voices from the AFC. You heard from Mike Keith from the Titans two days ago, Matt, Mark Vandermeer from the Texans yesterday. When we come back, Matt Taylor joins me. He's the play-by-play voice of the Colts. We complete the division. That's after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Hodges Mazda Combine coverage is brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. Welcome back to Indianapolis, uh, the NFL Combine. Frank Frangie and the voice of the Colts, my buddy Matt Taylor. How are you, man? Frank, always good to be with you, man. How are you? I'm good, Matt. It was uh, Real Feel 13 today. That was the Real Feel on my phone today. The thir- Real thir- Feel? Yeah, it says temperature 23, Real <laughs> Feel 13. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. All right. And so you said something that made me feel better yesterday. <laughs> you said at one point you told your wife, why do we live here? Yeah. That made me feel better. That's it. I mean, we get May and June. July is so hot. August is so humid. September's kind of dicey. October could be either 80 or it could be 30. November, December aren't good. January, February aren't good. March is kind of dicey. I look at my wife. I'm like, why do we live here? We choose to live here. Like, we have roots <laughs> here. Perfect. Both of our families are here. How did this happen? <laughs> That's perfect. But we so, love it. Everything yeah. else about the weather That's is, right. is great about and, the city of Indianapolis. And it is we great. have a dome. It's it, all good. It is a great city. <laughs> I thought the Colts were better than I thought they would be. I, you told me before the season that there was there was positivity, that Shane Steichen looks like the right guy. I thought he did a great job. You and I last from the playoffs while playing a backup quarterback. Right. 
Do you feel that way? Like, it was a really good year all considered, right? Oh, everything considered, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think I told you coming off the 22 season, you know, you bring in Matt Ryan and it seems like the team was ready to go. And obviously it wasn't. It was 4-12-1. You fire the head coach, the offensive coordinator. Jeff Saturday comes in, the wackiness of that. It was just a really disappointing season. So, um, you know, I said last year around uh, training camp time with a rookie head coach, a rookie quarterback, a brand-new offensive staff that I wasn't going to make predictions. I didn't know what to expect. All I know, it was going to be fun. It was going to be interesting. And absolutely, I was right in that regard. Gardner Minshew comes in, has to start 13 games. And, you know, you start the season three and five, and then you get on a little bit of a winning streak there uh, in in late October and November, kind of weather the storm. You're not playing a gauntlet schedule. You're playing a lot of backup quarterbacks and rookie quarterbacks. I think I looked it up the other day. The Colts played 10 rookie or backup quarterbacks last year out of 17 games. Now, it's not their fault. You've got to take advantage of that. And for the most part, they did. But... Um, you know, it's, it's kind of an incomplete season, obviously, with Anthony Richardson going down in week five and next year having to reboot his rookie campaign to a degree because of all of his inexperience. But those four weeks, that first month of the season, uh, Frank, it was, I mean, it sounds cliche, sounds yeah. hyperbole, but it was electric. It I, really was. The Colts have had nothing in the neighborhood of Anthony right. Richardson in the history of their franchise and the things that he was doing, I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah. I mean, four yeah. rushing touchdowns in the first four games. Uh, just a shame that he got hurt and that he's going to have to kind of, again, start over to a degree. But it's exciting the fact that we're sitting here for the first time since when, 2019, and the Colts aren't talking about quarterbacks and veteran guys, free agent, you know, right. plug yeah. and play, you know, yeah. and, and, and top five picks. So from that angle, it's kind of refreshing. I think the Colts are on more solid footing than they're not. My uh, my heart broke for Gardner. I like Gardner. We, we got to know him pretty well down there. He kind of came into his NFL own in Jacksonville. Sure. The one thing he, one thing, the, the things he's really good at, he's accurate. The one bad throw, the swing pass on fourth down, that was a day, it was catchable. Yeah, but I hated it for him because he never misses that throw. Sure, you know, you know, I mean, he. I'm, I'm thinking, God bless his soul. And obviously, he never misses that. And throw. that that play's been dissected, you know, yeah. a thousand yeah. times, a thousand different ways. Yeah. I mean, you had the component of fourth and one Correct. going for it. You've got, you know, Jonathan Taylor at that point. He'd been in and out of the game yeah. with yeah. a. With an ankle, uh, should he have been in the game? Should they have dialed that up for Jonathan Taylor? Uh, Tyler Goodson, a third-string running back, I think in that game played less than 10 snaps. Correct. Um, you know, why are you throwing to that guy in that yeah. situation? Listen, he was open. Right. I mean, it was a great play design. They had the call. They they had the, the, the look that they wanted, um, just didn't catch the ball. Maybe a better ball from Gardner yeah. Minshew. But if you go back and look at that play, I know we're kind of getting into the yeah. weeds of the X's and O's on it. But if you go back in that – that play, you know, Will Anderson gets up the field just enough yeah, did. to alter the throw or kind of alter yep. the, the yeah. lane there yeah. for Gardner Minshew on the delivery, which affected the play. And that's why pass rushers are, are so big. It's point. not just the sacks, right? It's it's what you can do to, you know, affect the play and, and get to the quarterback. So, um, yeah, it's I think they go down and score and they win the game if, if that yeah. play is converted. And I, and I think Gardner would tell you. He should have made a better throw, but, but he, we're, I'm a big Gardner guy, so, yeah. so you move on. Let me go back to Anthony Richardson. 
I think he's a marvelous talent. I also think he's a great kid. Mm-hmm. I know his, his his quarterback trainer is in Jacksonville, so Anthony's in Jacksonville. Now he, Anthony spends as much time in Jacksonville as he does anywhere else because he trains with More time guys. than you do. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, he's a great kid, and I agree with you. He's an enormous talent. I do wonder. I think it's a fair question. He's got to stay on the field. He was hurt a lot at Florida, mm-hmm. and it was because he's so muscular and run. I think he. I think sometimes, Matt, tell me if you agree with this. You got to learn to protect yourself a little bit. No doubt. And 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 I think isn't that the biggest question moving forward with Anthony? Richardson? Yeah, it's not. It's not if he translates to this level, or if he can play, or if he can handle the mental components of it. Because I think I was telling you earlier in the week. You know, you go back to him coming out of the draft in the spring and in training camp. Rarely did he go to the wrong place with the football. Yeah, and right. he was way more accurate and way more poised throwing the ball than I thought he would be coming out of college, to your point, with only those 13 starts at Florida. But the thing is, and I think he learned a valuable lesson, he's 21 years old. There's a lot of responsibility thrusted upon his shoulders in terms of the face of the franchise, and a guy that's going to be marketed outside of the building, out off the field, so to speak. Um, I think he learned a valuable lesson in just in terms of how important he is to the, to the success of this team. You know, the Colts are going to go only as far as Anthony Richardson will take them. And I think he learned that, hey, there's a time and place for me to kind of play all out, if that's a good way sure. to put it. And I don't want to diminish I mean, he, he plays – you know, full effort all the time. But, you know, there was a play in week two when he's scoring a touchdown on a draw, a quarterback draw, and, and kind of slows up a little bit right when he crosses the goal line, takes an unnecessary hit. He's out the next game with a concussion, right? right? Um, so I think the Colts are going to be a little bit more precise about when they run him, uh, the, the types uh, or types of situations during the game they're going to run him. Um, you know, where on the field they're going to use those design runs because they don't want to take anything right. away from his skill set. That's why you drafted him, right? If if you want him to play like, uh, you know, Tom Brady, they should have yeah. just drafted, you know, some guy in the sixth round. I right? dropped that guy, yeah. So you, you love his explos- uh, explosivity, the way that he plays. I'm just really excited about pairing him up with Jonathan Taylor in the backfield and what that can do to stress defenses. It'll lighten the box significantly. It'll really help if the Colts have somebody they can bring in to to win on the outside to supplement what they have in the passing game with uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Um, But, yeah, your your best uh, best ability is availability, and I think uh, Anthony Richardson learned that the hard way this year. At the end of the season, he talked about, He wasn't being cocky or brash. He's saying, like, if I'm healthy, I think we're in the playoffs. I think we win the division. Now, who knows? C.J. Stroud's really, really good. Jacksonville's on the come again. I think they're going to reboot. This division's going to be really, really uh, competitive, and there's a lot of parity in the South now going forward. But uh, Anthony Richardson, I think, is ahead of schedule. But, again, there's going to be some trials and tribulations and just some experiences that he sees next year that he didn't see last year. Matt, what are the needs? Uh, is, is Pittman on the team? Uh, how do you, do you feel about good about that? And where, where are the offensively and defensively, yeah. where are the key needs? Yeah, Michael Pittman Jr. I think is going to be on the team. I mean, Chris Ballard here at the Combine yesterday, the, the GM of the Colts, uh, talked about one way or another we're going to get it done, whether that's a contract extension or the franchise tag, which they've got a little bit of ways to go uh, in terms of the tag window until next week. Uh, but he said come September, Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be on this team which I think is important because there's this debate around here, you know, what's Michael Pittman Jr. worth? You know, who is he? Is he a number one wide receiver? I don't know. I don't know what that means. All I know is Michael Pittman Jr. is damn good, and he's been the best player 
uh, on offense this this team has had consistently the last three years. He's led them in both catches and receiving yards three years running. Um, he's not a deep threat. Um, you know, I think that kind of points to how the Colts have played. He's played with seven different quarterbacks. Right. I mean, right. my God. And he's still been consistent, and he's still been productive. He's got two 1,000-yard seasons. Um, he's kind of like a glorified tight end, and I mean that very complimentary. Right? He's between the numbers. He's around 10.5 yards per catch. Doesn't mean he can't win on the outside. Doesn't mean he can't go deep. Doesn't mean he doesn't have speed. But the way the Colts have been forced to play offensively the last couple of years because of quarterbacks is a lot of RPOs, a lot of over-the-middle stuff, a lot of third-down catches, high-leverage situations. He's your go-to guy. He completely buys in in terms of of the physicality they want on offense. He's a willing blocker in the running game. He's just everything you want out of a wide receiver. But in terms of needs, again, you want to compliment him on the outside. The Colts last year, Frank, I don't have to tell you, you saw it in that Jacksonville game, the second game in week six when Gardner Minshew started. Sometimes the Colts were guilty of being forced to play like in a 15, 20-yard field. You're right. A lot of RPO stuff, quick rhythm. Mm -hmm. That's who Gardner Minshew is. I don't have to tell you that. But they need to win outside the numbers and win downfield more often. And I think playmakers in the draft and in free agency got to be paramount. You need more explosive plays on offense. I think inevitably Anthony Richardson will help that, playing a full 17-game schedule, hopefully knock on wood. But you got to be more explosive on offense, and you have to limit the big plays that were consistently allowed on defense, too. You know, it's funny you said about, about Pittman and playing in a 10- to 15-yard area. I think the league – you know what, what what Houston did? They put Nico Collins and Tank Dell out there who could, See both, who could both run by you. Yeah. And the other three teams didn't have that. Calvin Ridley, I think if we get him back, will be that. Yeah. He had to kind of find his way. Tennessee didn't have that. Indianapolis didn't have that. We saw those two guys. Tank Dell can run, man. Mm-hmm. And Nico Collins can run. And so and with, with Straub, that's kind of how they moved ahead of some people. Uh, defensively, what are the key needs for the Colts? Yeah, again, secondary-wise, incredibly young in the secondary. Yeah. Last year they started essentially towards the back half of the year. They started two rookie corners. Juju Brintz was banged up up a lot throughout the course of the season had multiple injuries he had a quad he had a wrist uh, had an ankle so he was kind of in and out of the lineup a little bit but um, they're high on him they drafted him in the second round he's a local kid played at Ben Davis High School uh, or excuse me Warren Central High School those two those two schools are rivals so I get mixed up so Warren Central here uh, in Indy and then Jalen Jones who was a seventh round draft pick last year because of injuries, was forced into a lot of duty, and I thought he played better than his seventh-round status, if you will. He was a really good uh, late-round pickup for the Colts. Uh, but Kenny Moore is a free agent, Frank. Julian Blackman at safety is a free agent. I think those two are, are really big in-house decisions that the Colts have to make there. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me to see the Colts go big at some premium positions within within this draft maybe at 15 there in the middle of the first round they go corner to get that solidified maybe they go edge rusher um they've got a good rotation of defensive ends i mean i told you yesterday they had 51 sacks last year which was top five it was also a franchise record in the indianapolis era for the colts but they didn't have that that guy and you know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. right that guy that's going to win on third down in the fourth quarter of a big game, they just don't have that guy, that guy quite yet. So they're still in search there. I don't know if you can get a guy like that at, at 15 in the draft, but you're always looking. So um, those would be the big needs for the Colts to take themselves to the next level, kind of get over the top. Final thing as we wrap, 
Uh, you got a good one in Shane Steichen, didn't you? I, Doug Peterson, who I know very well, thinks really highly of him. I know you like working with him. I do. That worked out well, didn't it? Absolutely. And he proved last year, again, with Gardner Minshew, who's completely different playing style than that of Anthony Richardson, he can win. Mm-hmm. And he's worked with a lot of different quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, um, you know, Phillip Rivers. Mm-hmm. He's had his hands on different ways of, of skinning a cat, if you will, and he's had success. I mean, as you said, at the top, the Colts were right there, right on the doorstep of making the playoffs with Gardner Minshew starting 13 games, appearing in, in 16 of them. So he can win different ways. He's smart. He can scheme things up. Uh, he, he knows you know what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are as a quarterback, as an offense, and he can play to that, call plays based on those things. Um, it's really exciting. I mean, when he comes back for an interview or just in the hallway when you're talking ball with him, he'll bring things up at the course of a game, Frank. I'm sure you do this. When the dust settles at the yeah, end of a game, right. you're thinking about, okay, when did this play happen? Yep, yep, what, yep. At what course of the game was that? Was that third quarter? Was that this drive? He, he's got the game memorized the next day. It's amazing. He's got the game memorized. Like the, the third play of the third quarter or the second drive of the fourth quarter, we run this. I'm like, how do you memorize this stuff? And he, he's just incredibly smart, football intelligent, high IQ when it comes to ball. Um, smartest guy I've, I've ever been around. Um, and it, I think the Colts are in really good hands with him being able to balance head coaching duties, game management, and also calling plays. He's got a lot on his plate, but it doesn't stress him out. He's not overwhelmed on game day. And I think I think the Colts have a home run there. Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, the host. You're our host, the host this week. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for coming by. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Back in a moment on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. Time for all things Jaguars and NFL with Pete Briscoe. The Briscoe Report, presented by Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Showtime. On the Frangie Show. We thank our friends from Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. All kind of fun stuff always going on at Showtime. Head to Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. They're located on Phillips Highway at the end of Shad Road. Uh, uh, so they do such a good job. Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. If you're a collector, you got to get over there. The, uh, we're playing Mellencamp today because it's the law. You're, when you're in Indiana, you're playing Mellencamp. Of course. It's a federal law. But we had a great conversation <laughs> at the break. Pete, Pete, my age, and therefore likes a lot of, we like yeah, a lot of the same music. Concerts. And we're talking about concerts. And Pete saw Chicago for the first time, and you loved it. Well, the second time. So, I okay, saw him so years you ago. You saw him years ago. So, so again, we like a lot of the same. Guys our age like a lot of the same yeah. stuff. But so we're talking about you brought up Leonin and Friends. Yes. I'm never going to do it. Never. In my whole life, I'm never going. 25 <laughs> Oh. So if you want to see him, everyone loves Chicago, him. goes to see him. I'm not doing it. And they came to Jacksonville not, like twice yeah. in consecutive years. And, and you I won't refused. go. I won't go. I mean, I, and, and I've seen Chicago 14 times. I love Chicago. Somebody, told me, somebody told me about him. And yeah, so I looked them up great. online. Yeah. And I listened to the songs. Their musicians are fantastic. fantastic. But you're right. 
right. There's like a little Russian accent. I'm not doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing Saturday in the park with a Russian accent. I'm not. And then, under no circumstances. Saturday <laughs> in the park. I think it was the 4th of July. I can't do, I can't do it. They're outstanding. Uh, when you watch no, their no, videos, they're, they're, and they're great. great musicians. They really are. And they come to town a lot. And they are great musicians <laughs> for somebody other than me. So, but I've seen Chicago a thousand times. Uh, one of the best concerts I ever saw, honest to God, about 10 years ago, they played at Met Park with the Jacksonville Symphony. Chicago played all the Chicago songs with the symphony behind it. it was magnificent. I would love to see that. It was really good. So, all right, what, what, what'd you learn here? You've been here. You do this every year, but yeah. the, anything, anything jump off the page? No, not, nothing. Normal stuff. No, same stuff. I mean, he, he, I I'm one of those guys, and I talk to a lot of guys in the same boat as me. We don't we don't put that much into these workouts. Uh, although I will say, for local angle, my gosh, Fisk had a hell of a workout today. Boy, he's going to be a good player. He's a good player. Anyways. Really good. Player. I love him on tape. I yeah. told him yesterday. I was sitting over there, and I told. Uh, one of the girls that works with us, I said, uh, boy, look at that face. He's got that nasty, tough guy face. So yeah. she went over and told him, and he's like, <laughs> all taking it as a, like a badge of honor. He goes, I like that. We'll see. But he's a tough Good player. kid. And, and so he had a great – he ran 4.78 today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's – for a kid that big, that's moving. You and think you, that's high second, mid second? I think he's a high second. I yeah. think he's high second. I love something you said. And, again, maybe old guys just think alike, but I love something you tweeted today. It's great that he does. He, he had as a test. Do three cone, four cone, eight cone. That's great. But are you good at football? Right. That's tape matters so much more than testing. And and I and, I, and it, it, one of my big pet peeves. It, it's incredible because I, I what I do is I when I'm the pro, you know me I watch college football all day so I on Saturday that's all I do I keep an eye on everybody as I get towards the end of the season I start diving into some tape then I go to the Super Bowl and I watch more and in the last you know, month, I've watched even more, and then I'll watch even more before the draft. But it's one of those things where if somebody pops up on tape to me and I look at it and I go, okay, let me go back and see what people say about it, yeah. just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't see that, or right. I do see that, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, the tape is the story. It always is the story. Now, what we can't get is inside their heads. Right. The teams get a better job. Like, I talked to some teams last night that had interviews with guys, and, and I said, well, how's this guy and how's that guy? And I'll give you an example. Brock Bowers does not come across great in the interviews. Right. I mean, he's kind of he's quiet. quiet he's very quiet. Shy. Yeah. And a little. But you put the tape yeah. on, and he's a hell of a player. Yeah. We. I can tell you this. We had him in the SEC media days last year, and I and I know Kirby Smart a little bit. And we had Kirby before Brock, and Matt Hayes and I were doing it. And Kirby said, "Frankie, he's not going to tell you anything." He, he said, he's not gonna, I said, I said, he said, we'll get, I said, we, we're, Hayes and I joke, we'll get a little, Matt Hayes and I, we'll get a little something out of him. He goes, no, you won't. And we didn't. You we, didn't. We, we really didn't. By the way, he's the best 40 uh, year old park rec body player I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. Do you think he falls? Do you think Bowers has a chance to fall out of the top dozen picks? Yes. Do, do you think he should? He's. By far the best tight end in the class. He might be one of the best tight ends to come in in a long time. But I think position value matters. And if you go back and look at the history of that position, the top t- Kyle Pitts hadn't lived up to it. Yeah. Vernon Davis, did he ever really live up to it? Kellen Winslow, these are top ten guys now. Uh, you know, uh, Ebron, top yeah, ten guy, right. never really live up to it. Then you go turn the flip side on. In the championship games, okay, the Lions, Laporta. San Francisco, Kittle. Mark Andrews and Kelsey, not a one of them was a first-round pick. Right. None of them. And so you can find your tight ends. 
other than the kid that Jacksonville drafted in the second round, but that's a whole other story. You can find your tight end, so I don't think you necessarily have to force that. He's a great player, but you don't have to force that. Pete Prisco with us from CBSSports.com. I I had both Doug and Trent on. You've been around the whole Jaguar thing. You just did some stuff at Jaguars.com. Where do you sense they are? Their, Their roster, how good it is, what some of their needs are here, the vibe around them. What you read there? Well, I didn't like to talk about the offensive line being, well, we might have those five again. And I would, I, I think the most they should have is three at the most. And that's if they brought Cleveland back. Because the two tackles, it sounds like they're going to bring Cam back. The two tackles will be back. You'll have your starting tackles. Right. But the interior should be redone if you don't bring Cleveland back. I think the interior should be redone. You, you can't play the center again. Fortner cannot play in the middle. I, I know they keep trying to preach that. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He can't play in there. He's not strong enough. He doesn't hold his blocks. I think that's a problem. Sheriff will be probably let go, I think, you, you know, I for too. cap reasons. I and then if you don't bring Cleveland back, you got to get a new guy there. What do you do? How, how much faith do they have in Cooper Hodges? That's something we don't know. I know he got hurt last year, but he's a possibility. I think you have to get a center, whether you get him in free agency, and that would be the lean because you want a veteran center in there, and then you have to get a left guard if Cleveland leaves. Do you think those are issues in free agency, those positions, center, guard, that are pretty deep? You can get some guards, and you can get it. You could get a, if you want to get a center, you get a, I mean, Andre James is there. You have Cushenberry from Denver. You could find a center if you needed to find one. And I think Michael Onwenu, the guard from the New England Patriots, who also played tackle last year, he is a guy you would love to get in and pencil him in at right guard. He's a mauler. He's tough. He's physical. He'd be great for them at right guard. Pete, i got to tell you, my read, and who knows, my read on it is they've far from giving up on Fortner. Now, maybe, maybe to your point, an older veteran guy, and he, and he learns under him. I don't think they've given up on him, but, but they might do that. And I can also tell you they really want to resign Cleveland now. They they they, yeah. they 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 he they like it. He runs. He's athletic. He's and that's what they want. They a lot of screen passes, right. a lot of wide receiver screens. Yeah. They want him out there. But I at some point, Frank, you gotta get nasty. Yeah, I agree. And, and and the question becomes, what do they do at right guard? By the way, they love Cooper Hodges, but he's another rookie. Right. You know, he's a guy. He's he, and he's a guy that played at a low level. Right. So I, so I I would I'm like you, and I I would love to see them get veteran, offensive and defensive interior linemen. And then use the draft to go get fast guys, receivers and corners and all that. That's if you ask my blueprint. That we we had this talk yeah. last week. That's the blueprint. Yeah. So okay, so you say you got Michael Onwenu to play right okay. guard. All right, get his free agent center too. Well, for me, I I, I would consider you know and everything cost. Uh, I would I would get um I would probably get a second veteran offensive interior lineman. Now I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're getting two, but I would probably get two. I, I would probably. Even if even if one's a lower price guy that competes with Fortner, and at least make Luke beat somebody out, right? You know, right? Beat somebody out and have the job. But it's it's obvious to everybody who watches them and watches the tape that Fortner is a problem. I mean, look, you yeah. hate to just bang on a guy, yeah. but the reality is the quarterback was sped up the running game because of the, the center. Right. The running game wasn't very good because of the center. Uh, and, they, look, the guards weren't great either, right. particularly right. the right guard. He struggled at times last year, and he's, you know, he's breaking down. He's an older player. Hmm. So I do think they have to fix that. And you talk about the defensive side of the ball. You know, they got a decision to make on Fodakasi. They don't save a lot of money to get rid of him, but if you bring him back, what do you do? Bring back the same guys yeah. you had a year I, ago? I'd be, I'd be very surprised if they bring my, – my, just my opinion. No right. inside, just me thinking. I'd be surprised if Fodakasi's back. I'd be surprised if Sheriff's back. 
I'd be a little bit surprised if Rayshon's back. I think he's gone. Yeah, the other ones I think are coming back. Yeah. I think they're gonna. I think they. I think they. They. I don't think they're cutting Cam. I think they're really gonna try and re-sign Cleveland. Gonna try and re-sign Ridley, and obviously they're gonna have to find a way to keep Josh. So, I, so I think. I think. Fadakasi, Sheriff, and Rayshon would be the three guys that, if I'm guessing, are not back. Okay, if you get rid of Fadakasi, which I think they're doing too, Hamil- you have to rely on Hamilton coming right. back to what he was yeah. in training camp because he was dominant in training camp before yeah. he got hurt. you got to ho- hope that happens. But you still need another big, nasty body in there. Yeah, that, but then if you do all that on the offensive front, I can live with that being one of these guys at the draft, couldn't you? Yeah, and, and again, I think that's where you use Ryan Nielsen's, you know, guys he's coached right, before, right. And, and maybe go get a lower, a, a third way free agent that maybe is at least familiar and can give you some good rotational snaps in there. Do you buy the Daniil Hunter buzz for the Jaguars? And, and he, you know, when I hear that, it surprises me because that you're bringing Allen back. Yeah, I mean, he's Without younger question. and he's you yeah. know the same thing. So if you're going to do that, what does that tell you? <clears throat> That means Trayvon Walker's going inside. Of course it does. Would you? Would I consider that? Absolutely I would yeah. consider that. I think Trayvon Walker with 15 pounds is Calais Campbell-like. I think he could be a dominant inside player. He's a good player on the edge. He can be a dominant inside player. He could look more like Chris Jones on the inside than he does on the outside. And I think that's why I would move him inside. I like that plan. If they could afford to do that, that would be a fantastic Well, well it's play. a game changer. I mean, don't, I don't think that's where they're going to land. But the only reason I, I allowed myself to dream, Pete, I've said this before, and you, nobody knows it better than you because you were the beat guy. But you know when you go get Carnell Lake and Hardy Nickerson and, and, and Bryce Pop, regardless of how it turned out, you know, you know when you're in your window. You go get those three guys or whoever else, and that's what they did. They went and said, let's go try and win the Super Bowl and probably had the best team. Right. And, and, and so – and, and I'm not saying that's where they are now, but if, that, if there was ever a time in modern day where they were close, they're cl- I think they believe they're close, and I think they're right. Two or three, you get Daniel Hunter on this football team and Kevin Zeitler. If I, if I told you right now, just for the sake of this conversation, right. you had Kevin Zeitler, Daniel Hunter, and you go draft a corner and a receiver, you'd think they have a pretty good team. Yes. Uh, well, I thought that's they had a good team last year. Well, right, right. But, I mean, they're, they're, yeah. then they'd be close. And, and then you'd line up with the four, it would be – Probably Hamilton, Walker, and then the two pass rushers. Right, and then Roy's your four, your fifth guy. Roy Robertson is a fifth guy. Roy Robertson Harris is a fifth guy. It's and then you draft a big body guy yeah. in the fourth round. So all of a sudden they have a pretty good team. Right. I, I guess that's now, now you still got to get progress from Devin Lloyd. Right. That's who right. Who hasn't? You know, he's been a liability. But um, his, but his problem is, and they will tell you this, if you get it out of him. Quit thinking and play. Right. If he would just – he's an athlete. He's tough. He's but that's physical. what we thought the problem was in the first yeah. year, though. But, but it, it, it carried over. But it, it, but it was different. The first year he was confused. Right. The second year he thought too much. Right. So, so we'll, I mean, I'm telling you, right. if, if, he, if he gets this, so we'll see. All right. Hey, we're almost out of time with you. Get off the Jags for a second. What's going to happen with all these quarterbacks? You're going to see them. You're going to be here all week. Uh, you're, no one's throwing, but they're all talking. Where is it all going to – is it as simple as Caleb 1 and Drake May 2 and Jaden Daniels 3 or – Daniels two and is it is it that simple? I think it's right now it would be Caleb Williams one, but there's a lot of people out there that like Jaden Daniels as the one. Really? Yeah. I haven't heard that at all. Yeah, there are teams as that, the one. Yeah, there to are the team, Bears. Yeah, there are teams out there that think he could end up being the one. And if you're the Bears, and I, I put this out there, why not trade down with Washington to two, get a two or two and a three, maybe three picks. They take Caleb Williams, who's from 
Washington, D.C., by the way. Let him play for Washington. You get Jaden Daniels, and you get the extra picks. Oh. Huh. Yeah, it would make some sense. I haven't heard that. Yeah. And Jayden, like I told you guys yesterday, Jaden Daniels to me is the most improved player I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, you life. love him. Hayes yeah. loves him, too. Hayes. The most improved player yeah. I've ever seen in my entire life. He's fantastic. Yeah. It started with, last, not last season, but the year prior, he went to the Swamp, uh, and it was an unbelievable crowd. And he had a touchdown on their first six drives. It's amazing how I mean, it's amazing how it, fast he was. It was incredible. How, how, I mean, and then this year, yeah, he just ran through everybody. He's a better passer right now coming out than Lamar Jackson was. Yeah, yeah. And he's, oh, I agree with that. And he's fast like that. Yeah, he, he's he, not as he doesn't have as much but elusiveness. But he's fast. He's he's fast. He's, he's, a, a, he's a guy. Yeah. So, we, we, we but Caleb Williams, by the way, I heard the board wasn't great with him. I don't know if that's true. Teams uh, give you lies all the time. I believe that. But so you're going to prime tonight? You're going to 40 no, doing? I don't what know what I'm doing tonight. Maybe what are you, you doing? the mayor. They go to 47 prime tonight. I might too. So there you go. We'll do that. We'll take a break. Thanks, Pete. We appreciate it. Uh, when we come back, Amia rejoined us. She talks to Rick Spielman, a buddy of Pete Briscoe's. That's next. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 1010XL takes you to the NFL Scouting Combine. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show. Live from Indy. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. Man, it's been fast and furious today. It's been awesome. Ooh, moving along. Uh, Mellencamp, of course, on Old Rock Thursday because we're in Indiana. Frank Franzi, Hayes Carline, me, O'Brien rejoins us. Fast day today, hasn't it been? We're going a mile a minute. Flying. Yeah. Flying by. Alex, flying by. Flying. And you caught up with uh, a really good football analyst, Rick Spielman from CBS, right? Yes, absolutely. And, of course, uh, Rick Spielman once upon a time was going to be the EVP of the Jaguars. <laughs> uh, he actually kind of alluded to that. He's like, I love the good people of Jacksonville. And I'm like, yeah, you spend a good amount of time with us. So, uh, But, yeah, we touched on a bunch of different things, whether that's who the 17th overall pick should be to what exactly happened to the Jaguars down the stretch. Here he is, CBS Sports, Rick Spielman. Please be joined with longtime general manager, now with CBS Sports, Rick Spielman. Of course, a buddy of our buddy, Pete Prisco, too. Rick, uh, talking. You're using that term loosely. Loosely. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, you always come every August with Prisco, and, you know, he thinks he's the mayor of Jacksonville, but we know there's plenty of Rick fans down in Duval County. <laughs> yeah, no, it's always exciting and everything that's going down on there, down there. And, you know, last year I got an opportunity for the first time to see the new facility and how everything is moving in, in the right direction down there. And so going down there with Pete, and it was actually my first time I've ever been to training camp without being a GM. So Pete was my guide, <laughs> and I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's the only time I ever went with someone from the media that actually wore a teal golf shirt to an event <laughs> to represent a team. I said, Pete, you got to be neutral. He goes, no, I'm the Duval County Mayor, or whatever the heck he says. Well, hi, listen, we appreciate both of you guys. We appreciate you spending time in Jacksonville. So you're familiar with this roster, the expectations that were so sky high last year coming off of that playoff run in 2022. What did you make of the Jaguars' season? I just think they kind of lost their rhythm. And in the past, it's always been a slow start and then a strong finish. And I remember, the, you know, after that Denver game in London, then all of a sudden I thought uh, – Trevor Lawrence took off. He made a couple of critical interceptions in that game and then came back and then got into a rhythm and the defense was playing well. And then the, the great playoff win. And then this year just didn't seem, in my opinion, they were in rhythm all the time or they just couldn't find a lot of the answers. And I know a lot of it has to do with Trevor, but he was hurt. And 
give him credit for gutting it out and trying to go out there and play with the injuries that he had. But I think they have a lot of pieces in place down there, and I'd expect them to rebound from probably a disappointing season off what they did the previous year. You believe the, the pieces are there. You can say they were injured, Trevor was injured, and run it back. Yeah, but you can say that about every NFL team, too. So right. I don't think I've ever been associated with a team in 30-some years that didn't have an injury. But I do think that they, you know, especially at the quarterback position and some of the key place people that they lost, that they'll continue to build that. I know Trent will do a great job adding again to the draft. You know, I know they made the defensive coordinator change down there uh, to get Trevor back on track. I remember Pete telling me that he thought he was going to be MVP of the league last year, which I think he has all the capability of doing. Absolutely. Let's say, uh, let's move to the draft then. With the 17th overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars select? The best player on our draft board. <laughs> I think there'll be a lot of good players there, whether they go offensive line, potentially, you know, it's a real deep receiver class. Um, they can go defense, maybe add another corner because I think there'll be some corners there. So when you're picking down in the lower teens, a lot of times you have to wait to see how the draft board's unfolding. You may not have a legit number one guy that I have to have because there's a lot of good players that can fill a lot, a lot of needs for Jacksonville down there. When you have the number one overall pick, you already know who that's going to be. But there, you got to be prepared for whatever happens during the draft because there's so much that goes on and you have to be able to react instantly. Uh, if there's a player, let's say you wanted a corner and all of a sudden there was a run on corners, then do you try to get aggressive and move up? If some other team ahead of you may take the last corner you have on your board. So that, you got to really make sure that your draft board's developed, that you have enough options and that you have the options of moving up or down depending on what happens with other teams. Doug and Trent, very complimentary of their veteran offensive linemen, whether that's Cam Robinson, whether that's Brandon Scherf this past week. Some Jaguar fans wondering if that's smoke or if they truly believe that that offensive line, that the one they want, only played one of 17 games healthy together, as Doug noted to me earlier in the week. If that really is the answer, just getting that offensive line healthy, or do you have to go into the draft and find some new pieces? I think you have to get them healthy because they are good when they're healthy, and that showed that the previous year. But you also have to know, well, they're not healthy all the time too. So how much big of a concern do we have with the longevity of a Scherf, for example? Uh, can he play a full 17 games? If he can't, we know he can win games when he's on the field, but who's behind him? Can he step in and fill where we don't? fall off as much as we had to this year so I think you know offensive line is definitely going to be one of the places that they end up looking in that 17th overall pick last one for me Ryan Nielsen comes over from Atlanta as the defensive coordinator a lot of conversation about how philosophically the scheme that he runs requires different players as a former GM did you ever have that situation where a coordinator comes in and you say hey maybe we do need to turn over the roster a little more than we anticipated because we need the scheme fit yeah, that's, that's tough on a GM. I've been through that numerous times when you have coaching changes because you're building a roster to fit a specific scheme. And so you're drafting those players to fit that scheme. And then all of a sudden a new philosophy comes in, but you just can't take all 11 starters and throw them out the window. How can we make what we have work? And then what are you looking for so when we make additions, it'll fit your scheme? Do you think the Jaguars will be overhauling a little bit on defense, knowing what Ryan Nielsen likes to run? Uh, I didn't have the opportunity to sit in their post-draft meetings or post-season meetings, and I'm sure they identified strengths and weaknesses in the new scheme. So 
I, I have pretty good confidence they'll be able to handle that without my opinion. Last one, Rick, uh, the corner class in particular. Pretty tough. It's you know pretty elite at the top, but there is some good depth. I know Chris Sims was just commenting the same to me. A lot of Jaguar fans, after Trent Baalke said we need to identify our third corner, now think corner at 17 is inevitable. What do you make of this year's class? I think it's a really good five or six, but I think they all have a different skill set. So some are better in man, but not as good in zone. Some are better in zone, but not as good as man. Some can play multiple positions. I don't think there's a clear cut primetime Deion Sanders in this draft, or they'd be in the top 10. But I think teams will have those corners stacked on their board differently according to how their skill set fits their scheme. Who do you think is the best man corner? Mm, boy, I can't. Well, I do like uh, Wiggins from Clemson. I think can play man. I really thought that um, he did a great job in man coverage. But the guy that I think uh, is going to be a really good player that's not being mentioned in that top five is Rakestraw, the corner from Missouri, because I think he's a tone center on defense. I think he can play man coverage, and I think he's going to surprise a lot of people with his NFL career. Rick, thanks so much. Always welcome in Duval. <laughs> okay, thank you. Our thanks again to Rick Spielman for joining us, of course, on CBS Sports' coverage of the NFL Combine, the NFL Draft, and, yes, uh, Pete Briscoe's travel buddy, or at least when they come yeah, they yeah. come to play the various golf. stops in golf Florida. Buddy. Maybe he's his golf buddy as well. He's a good dude, though, isn't he? Yeah, great dude, great dude. Mm -hmm. We uh, we appreciate our time with him. Um, got a couple other interviews that will be popping up on our YouTube channel over the next two days or so. We're trying to grab a bunch of analysts, as many as we can, so make sure you're following along on our 1010XL YouTube page. All right, and uh, speaking of interviews, let's take a break. But Bucky Brooks is going to join me right after this. He really knows the Jaguars. He knows the players. He's, he's in the locker room during halftime. Uh, speeches from Doug. He sees the players come out of that. So he's got a maybe a little different uh, prism than, than we do. The yeah. most unique one. Yeah, yeah. he sees things that no one else sees. And he really does. So you're going to want to listen to this. Bucky Brooks joins me after this uh, to talk Jaguar football. From the Combine, it's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Hodges Mazda Combine coverage is brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. Welcome back to the NFL Combine. Frank Frangie with you from Indianapolis. My pal Bucky Brooks joins us now. How are you, man? Man, what's going on? Like This, this is kind of like the annual occurrence. I get a chance to sit down. We get to chop it up in the middle of the chaos of the Combine. It's kind of fun. There is. You're everywhere now. I mean, how many, you're on NFL Network now. You're doing podcasts now. You're everywhere today. No, nah, just, I mean, like, it's, it's kind of a light day. Like, so I'll move around a little bit. I'll do some stuff with the Jags, and then we yeah. have the pre- game show yeah. and i think it shows off on nfl plus so me lance zerline Rhett lewis we'll just talk about all yeah. the things we're gonna see today d line when do the uh, college tours start when is that because uh, you kind of told me where you're going i don't want to oh i don't want to break the news take a little lady she wants to go uh university your, your, your of daughter's a senior my daughter's a junior she's, she's a junior, junior so she's trying to jump on it early okay so i think we're going we're going to hit up university of miami okay i try to talk to her about being a gator, yeah, but I, I can't. I, I tried been, all I could to get I you there, but I you couldn't have, do it. I haven't, haven't been successful, like, yeah. fully convincing her, but maybe. Still time. Yeah. Does uh, the pain you see in my face when we go to watch the Gators, does that have anything to do with it? Well, look, you're, you're, you're like this, that she turned down Florida State. So she, she, I feel she better. Doesn't, she doesn't she'd have, have any interest in being a Seminole. So, okay. like, maybe maybe there's a way to, to get her to be a gator. We'll, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> 
Hey, Bucky, it was a weird season for the Jags. Uh, great start, 8-3 and three start, and then they collapsed at the end. Doug was with me yesterday, and uh, Trent was as well, or two days ago. Um, I think they feel like they've got a good team. Mm-hmm. But in your mind, you're on the side and you're in the locker rooms with the guys. You know this stuff. What do you think went wrong? What, what happened in that last month and a half? Uh, I, I think a couple of things went wrong from the start. Uh, when you have, you're a young team and you have a level of success they had the previous year, uh, you go 9-8, and eight, you win a playoff game, you lose to Kansas City, it's easy to think that you can fast forward the next season and get right back to the spot. And I think it was a necessary pain that this team needed to go through to humble them enough to know that each and every year and each year and every week you have to earn what it is that you want. Uh, I would say down the stretch, it's a combination of a few different things. They never fully got it together on offense. So you talk about the offensive line having the struggles. Trevor Lawrence suffers three injuries. And as much as we want to applaud him for being the, the guy that shows up every week, the injuries take an effect because when your franchise quarterback is unable to practice, he's unable to continue to work on his game, he can't continue to, to build the chemistry and the continuity with his guys on the perimeter, ultimately it impacts your team. And so even though he shows up on game day, it's not the same 16 that we saw early in the year. And ultimately, I think that came and got us. And just the inability to, to do the things that prevent you from losing games, just the, the, the penalties, the blown assignments, just like the little simple stuff, never could get that under wraps. And for whatever reason, it, it just didn't happen. And I think it's a painful lesson, but I think it's one that can propel them, give them a chance to have greater success next year. Bucky Brooks with us. Bucky, I told, I told Doug, and Doug and I talk a lot. I don't know Trent quite as well, but I told both of them that it seemed to me, an untrained eye, mm-hmm. that the biggest problem was the physicality on both lines. It just seemed mm-hmm. to me guard center guard and tackle nose guard tackle, to me, mm-hmm. was, was, was maybe the biggest area of concern. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this league is a line of scrimmage league, and you have to be able to dominate and control uh, the line of scrimmage. You need to win in the trenches. And it doesn't show up in, in, in every game, but it shows up in critical moments. It shows up in third and shorts. It shows up in short yardage situations where you got to have it to either extend the drive to close the game out or to go win the game. Fourth and short, fourth and goal, those things. Those things came up, came back to bite you. And, and so if you're going to be a team that prides itself in kind of, hey, we want to bully the bullies, you have to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage. And so what the Jaguars talk about being and what they are does a quite job. And so they have to spend the offseason making sure that if they want to be a team that can bully the bullies, bully the heavyweights in the AFC, they got to make sure that the personnel matches the intent. If you listen to our broadcast, uh, Jeff and Tony are in the booth with me. Bucky's on the sideline, but just as importantly, in the locker room, in the locker mm-hmm. room with those guys. And you come out of the locker room, and you played, and you know players, and you know how they think. Was there a point in the end of the season where you thought maybe they lost their confidence when you, and you were in the locker room with the frog? Did, did yeah. ever, do you ever sense that? Yeah, I sense it. And it's no different. Like, if you go to a peewee football field, a high school game, college, pro, they're all the same. Like, the confidence is, is always kind of temperamental. It's always fragile. And so you got to do a job as a coach to make sure that your team retains that confidence. And I can tell you, in the midst of that losing streak at the end of the year, the team lost its confidence. And it not only lost its confidence, I would say it lost its way a little bit when it comes to the, the toughness and the fabric of the team. Uh, there, there were times where it was frustrating for me to watch them run on and off the field because they didn't run on and off the field with the effort and the enthusiasm and the things that we saw previous years or early in the season. Yeah. Uh, there were times where Doug is, is talking to the team maybe in the locker room and it doesn't seem like everyone is paying attention. So mm. for whatever reason, the, the team was not as connected as it's been in the past. And 
I'll say this, and people always kind of overuse the culture term. Uh, culture matters more than schemes. Like the connectivity of the team matters more than what the team does and who's calling the plays or whatever. I think the number one offseason project is not only upgrading the personnel, but making sure that this team is – is fully connected because if they're connected, they can overcome everything. We've seen lesser teams win at a higher level. It's really about getting everybody on the same page, players, coaches, front office, everyone kind of pulling the boat in the right direction. Yeah, and I can tell you to that end, Bucky, and I, and I, I agree with everything you said. You know, the golfer, if you miss three or four four-foot putts, then oh, you're yeah. nervous on the next one yeah. because you don't think you're, you're, you're gripping a little tighter. Yeah. I thought they were gripping a little. I thought after you could lose two or three games – they're gripping a little tighter on the four-foot putts. Yeah, 100%. And I'm, I'm with you on that. You just talk about, like, everything is fragile. And we always talk about it, like, as players and coaches, they talk about one play at a time. But it's so hard to discipline your mind to just focus on the task that is at hand and not look too far in front, don't look behind, to just, hey, let's play this play. It has its own life. Let's finish it and do that. Um, I think – but I think it's a learning lesson for everybody. Doug talked – multiple times after games about just making sure everyone's on the same page, making sure that the coaches are doing the things in the best interest of the players. Like, whatever the players are, whatever they show you they can do, you have to do those things. And so as wild as you want to get with your imaginative schemes, if the players are unable to execute at a high level, you can't do it. And when it really comes down to it, it's really a simple game. It's about blocking, tackling, uh, taking care of the ball, taking the ball away and then just making sure that you dominate the kicking game. If we can get back to just being very simple in our execution and our intent, the Jacks can win a, a ton of games. And, look, we've seen it. Detroit going to the, mm-hmm. AFC, to, to the NFC Championship game. We saw how a flawed Kansas City Chiefs team won the Super Bowl basically because they didn't mess it up. Right. They Definitely. didn't mess it up throughout the, the postseason. I think there are lessons to be learned, and if everyone paid attention to that, if we can just focus on, hey, just not just give away the game and see how many teams can really beat us, I think this team would be better in the end. As a guy that's spent a lot of years as a scout and sees the league, assuming they're going to have Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley for the sake of this conversation, mm-hmm. assuming they're going to have both guys, whether it's a franchise or whatever, what are their biggest needs personnel-wise in your mind? What are the Jaguars? And I'm going to assume they have those two. I think, think? I think we should assume that they're going to have those two. The salary yeah. cap going up is like a yeah. huge thing. Like It should make it where those guys are going to be there because you can, you can go above and beyond to make sure that you pay them. I think the number one thing is Cam Robinson. For a while, they look like Cam may not be there. Maybe he's back. Uh, I think continuity on the offensive line is the number one thing. We need the guys, the best five, to play 17 games if possible. You know, Because if you have those, that same – uh, five in front of Trevor Lawrence. They get better. They know him. He knows them. They can talk about protections and those things. And so it, it, it's just a level of comfort for the quarterback when he has that. Defense, uh, the defensive front has to get better, particularly on the inside. You talk about the defensive tackles. Those guys have to play better because uh, the number one thing is you got to stop the run, but you also have to be able to create pressure, not only on the outside with Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen, but someone else has to emerge as a third pass rusher. If you get those things down at the line of scrimmage, then I would say the cornerback position, the secondary, is next because too often last year, blown assignments uh, led to big plays down the field. And, you, look, it's the, it's the quickest way to lose. When you give up explosive plays in the passing game, it leads to points for the other team. If they can solve the line of scrimmage on offense and defense and then just make sure that the secondary is playing as one, they have an opportunity to win double-digit games and get back to where we thought they would be this year. Final thing, not Jags, NFL in general. The league changed. Instead of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady sitting in a pocket, mm-hmm. they couldn't run out of sight in a week. Yeah. But they can dissect defenses. 
now the now the league's horizontal. Now there's RPO. Now your quarterback. There's more nakeds than ever. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks have to. Is it better? Do you like it better? You have to. If you were a scout, still you look at different stuff now, right? I mean, the league's different. The league is different, but but I would say, when you watch college games on Saturday, yeah. the league is becoming like the game on Saturday. It is, isn't it? Like you have to be able to adapt to what the college game kind of produces and right now it produces athletic dual threat quarterbacks there's not a quarterback in this draft with exception of maybe michael Bennett, that we don't talk about how they have the ability to make plays with their escapability scrambling tosses or whatever all those guys at the top of the board they all can do it from drake may to caleb williams to Jaden daniels uh bo nix jj mccarthy they all can move around and do it i think the key is you want uh quarterback who is athletic as opposed to an athlete attempting to play quarterback you want a quarterback who can buy time with his feet he can scramble and when we talk about like a dual threat you only need a quarterback to be able to pull it on occasion and get you four or five yards to make the defense respect him don't need him to be able to run at 70 he just has to be athletic enough to do that because then it changes the way the defense has to defend the offense we watched a lot of college i got told i've told the story when you weren't here so florida georgia's playing while we're in pittsburgh so Bucky and I go oh, find the bar. And I appreciated the fact that we were getting our ass kicked, but you were kind of with me in spirit. Just trying to hang in you there. You were just you. trying to help me, bro. Just trying yeah. to hang in there. Just trying to hang in there. And, the, <laughs> like, the thing is, we got to get the Gators back. Because, look, it's not. It is painful. Not, it's, it, 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 look, it's, it's painful when my guy loses <laughs> optimism week two or week three. So I was bummed the whole need, time. Yeah, we need, we need to send out an alert to, to Billy Napier. We got to get the Gators <laughs> on track. And the other thing we got to get with the, the Gators – Look, we got to be more traditional. I can't see the Gators in a black uniform. No, it was field. awful. Like that. That's that's not. <laughs> I agree. That's not the Gators. We got to got to get back to the to the traditional Gators that we know and love. Bucky, thanks, buddy. No, it was fun. Bucky Brooks here in Indianapolis. Back in a moment on 1010 XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010 XL. Hit back with Hastings live from Indy. Hodges Mazda presents. The Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida on 1010XL. Now, the quarterback whisperer, Denny Thompson. Okay, bring it in. Brought to you by Tyson Sound and Security. Register Sausage. And George Moore Chevrolet. One, two, three. Whisper on the road. Love it. It's the road whisperer. That, that, that'd be a great song. Yeah. I'm surprised. The Mellencamp probably has a song. Yes, he does. There's, called, he does. there's a song called Road Whisperer? There should be. Oh, you don't know that there is? <laughs> no. You're saying it should be a song. It should be a song. Gotcha. And a hit song. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. So we've been wandering around here. We uh, we had to walk from here to just, just South Wisconsin to get drinks. <laughs> And then pay for those. Denny's great. Then he walks in there. He's walking back with Gatorade. How'd you get drinks? There's no, well, he's a trainer. Okay. The trainer guys. <laughs> he's it's, an important they clout. person. They have here. clout here. It's yeah. the best. It's the best part of it. Free Gatorade. Yeah. I've been wearing them out too now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm about 15 deep today. <laughs> How you doing? You all right? I'm good. You got, I'm good. You got yeah, your whole team week. here. Will's yep. here with you. Will and Tom got in. AJ got in today. Yeah. I got in. So right. and for so, long, so people, you've been very respectful, keeping us quiet. But now ESPN reported this weekend too. You guys are working with Caleb Williams. Yeah. Caleb is in Jacksonville. He's been here for two weeks, and uh, and that, that's that's to me that's like really cool. Right? It is cool. It is cool. Will has is he a actually, good guy. He is a great guy. Will's worked with him for I don't know five or six years. Okay, um, I had never met him until the day he walked in the facility a couple of weeks ago, and just instantly any negative thoughts you had about the kid just dissolves right away. He's supremely talented, but there's. 
there's a lot going on in that head that's really special yeah. as well. I mean, it, the, watching him throw a football is, is it's, this is going to sound corny, but it really is a work of art. Like, he can yeah. throw, I watched him throw a cell route five different ways and be on time all five different ways. And, you know, the information we've gotten from motion capture and things like that just confirms, like, the kid is absolutely elite arm talent. And what Denny, what, what Six Points does is, and I won't say where, but you, you have a, an area where you put them all up. Mm-hmm. There, there's nice apartments in a nice area, and and you have like seven or eight apartments that mm-hmm. these that these guys come. They're, they're going to be in the draft, and they train with Tom and, and Denny and and uh, Will, and and they they work out, and they I mean everything, nutrition, PT, the whole bit, the whole thing. And Caleb Williams, the first overall pick in the draft, which we all pretty sure is going to be, is in Jacksonville the last two weeks working out. It's kind of cool. It's exciting. Hey. It's exciting times for us. It really is. Yeah. It's um, I mean you have Brock, and then you go Anthony. And then we have a, the potential to be, you know, somewhat involved in back-to-back number one picks, hopefully, with uh, with with Caleb and Carson. That's really cool. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of effort goes into this, point. and 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 we're very proud of what we've built here. Um, and it's cool to come to come to yeah. this each year. Yeah. Yeah. But you should be proud of that. I we mean, are. I mean, Caleb Williams is in Jacksonville training with Denny. That's yeah. pretty That's good awesome. stuff. And, and this is no disrespect to Justin Fields, but you got to take him one if you're the Bears, right? I mean, you just you, you have to. I, I am you – know, I'm not out on Justin Fields yet, but, yeah, I think he is that talented that you would have to at least consider it. I wonder, though, at times, like, what would Justin be if he had Marvin Harrison Jr. or if he had – and that that's the age-old question of how are you building your team, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you just spent a really high pick a couple of years ago on Justin. You know, is the best way to build the team to spend the number one pick on another quarterback? And I, I don't know the answer. I just know this guy is really, really talented – but I think kind of like Frank says with coaches, I think we give up way too early on quarterbacks, and I think the NFL has proven that time and time and time again when you look up and you see Joe Flacco playing well. Or, or forget that, you look up and see Jared Goff playing well, and you realize, man, these guys just need that four, five, six years to learn the game, some of them. Um, and then you hit eject really quick on them, and it sets them back. They have to learn a new system, a new city, um, everything. So I, I think it's very similar to the coaching dilemma that we have at every level right now. It's just a little patience probably would go a long way. Danny, we're going to ask you this 100 times between now and the draft, but but indulge me. You now know all three guys. You work with Caleb. You're, we're all aware of Drake May and, and, and Jalen Daniels and, and, and obviously I'll even throw J.J. McCarthy in yep. there. All going to be good pros? Do you, do you see a glaring weakness on any of those guys? I mean, you you, you know they're, they're – Yeah, I mean, I, I know – I don't know that much about Bo Nix. That's the only one I really don't – and J.J. McCarthy. Those yeah. are the two that yeah, – when yeah. we were watching them all throw – by the way, <laughs> watching Milton throw last night in the training room was interesting. Really? Absolute cannon. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I've never met the guy. I got no, no dog yeah. in this fight. But to watch the ball come out of this guy's hands – is special. He's going to put on a show um, on Saturday. But to answer your question directly, you've talked to NFL people. They feel yeah. very strongly that Drake May is one of the best prospects they've ever looked at. They very strong, feel very strongly that Caleb Williams is one of the best prospects they've ever yeah. looked at. And Jaden Daniels has moved up the moved up moved up everybody's board, right? Yeah, and I dis I disagree a little bit with the way he's handling this weekend. I, I feel like there's an opportunity for Jaden here. I, I think. There's an opportunity with the other guys not doing a whole lot to go out and, and run a good 40 like you're expected to run and then sit out there and, and throw well. And uh, and I guess I've heard he's not throwing, which I, I don't really understand that approach to this um, if you're Jaden Daniels because you have a lot to gain uh, um, in, here in the next month or so. You, you, in talking about Justin Fields, you brought up something really interesting that can maybe be applied to Trevor Lawrence in, in that it takes some time 
for guys to acclimate to the to the league. From an instinctual standpoint, do you still see that with Trevor Lawrence a little bit in terms of his situational football IQ in terms of how he plays I, the game? I thought he played really well in that regard this year. I thought developmentally he took a big jump forward. And I think the more removed you get from the season, the more you start to, at least me, I have a little bit of sympathy for, for Doug and Press because you go back and you watch that film, and I mean, I'm not trying to – call anybody out but it's hard to call plays when you don't know who's running through that line right away and there was somebody that missed an assignment almost every single play and as a play caller what do you do with that I mean you you got to try to keep everything short but yet you've got this guy Calvin Ridley who's a specialist at making things happen with a little bit of time I, I just I feel strongly that if you secure that interior offensive line your franchise is there your problem is not 16 at all like you've got to do what you've got to do to keep him upright and playing well. Boy, I really feel that way too. I, I and I don't want to the, the bag on the offensive line. They're all they're battling and working and trying, but man, there weren't very many clean pockets. Mm-hmm. And I sound like I'm trying to defend Trevor Press, Doug, whoever. But boy, Danny, there weren't many clean. pockets. Well, I mean, facts are facts. You can yeah. go back now and you can look at film. And even on the ones that there are clean pockets, this is the the part I, I wish people understood a little bit better. Is you still have to call a play based on your personnel. And if you're calling a play, you're you're probably not calling a long developing play because you don't want to get 16 hurt, right? right? So even on plays that were pre- protected well, you still have that doubt in the back of your head. It just lives there. So it's it's a tough way to have to call plays. And so, Trevor probably has that doubt. Yeah, it's no sure, without yeah. question. How could he not? Yeah, without question. And and I don't know. I mean, it, it it stunk, but I think the more you remove yourself from it, it it may have been a blessing in disguise in a lot of ways for this team to realize that all right, we know where we got to get better at, and uh, and if we do, we've got we've got the guy we need. Well, I do think this, and this is not just about quarterbacks, or not even just about personnel, but I do think in growth, you don't go from being a three-win team or a team that wins four games in two years. All of a sudden, you have that nine-win season, and you come back against the Chargers, and all of a sudden, you're elite. Sometimes you might have to get used to what it's like to be that good team, and and those growing pains might have been last year, where you have to learn how hey, it's not easy. And now, the next time you're in that spot, which they will be, yep, you handle a little better. No, I think there's. I mean, if you're lucky that. enough in life, you you have to learn how to handle success. Right, right. And that is, right. The, I mean, that is the first time they've had to handle success in quite some time. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you learn from it and you move on, but you don't you don't blow it up and you don't lose hope and you don't do all that because it's a quarterback position. It's a quarterback-driven league, and you've got your quarterback. In terms of throwing here and, and meetings and putting quarterbacks up on the board, is that is that overrated? Do you put a lot of stuff? If a quarterback comes in in a meeting and isn't as great, maybe if, if you elect to put him up on the board, is that a concern or is, yeah, is that I, overblown? Yeah, I think because the way that these guys are prepared for this, um, I would be concerned. If I, if I put a guy on the board and, and at this point when he's had two months to do nothing but prepare for this day, if he's not ready for that, that would, that would cause serious concerns to me for sure. What do they, what do they try and do? I'm sorry, to yeah. throw them off. Like, I don't think they're trying to throw anybody off. Okay. I, yeah. I think it's more, they all have different ways that they go about it. The old school is they'll draw up a play and then they'll have they'll erase it. Do you understand it? Yep. And then they'll have a conversation. They ask them a random question and then all of a sudden, hey, go draw that play again. Um, and they're, I mean, that's a skill, right? That's a skill, but you got to understand the offense. You got to understand, like, when they draw that play, you got to be able to tag that to something you're familiar with, right? And if you can't do that and you're at this level, you're probably going to struggle because the playbook changes a lot in this league. 
Yeah, I, I had a question for you, but to, to your point, Trent Balky told me uh, two days ago, I said, what do you get out of this? He said, not as much as you used to because people know how to prepare for it. That's right. Before, you would ask them a lot of questions, and you'd see how they answer instinctively. Now they've all, they are so prepared. They've got so many trainers and so many people, so you can't really see because they're, they're, they've studied harder for the test. Danny, and I probably should have asked you this. Are there running back, wide receiver, strong safety trainers? I mean, oh, do, yeah. Do, do, is there other stuff, oh, yeah. not just quarterback trainers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go back in that room, and there are guys that there are. And th- this is what they do for a living, and once they get done with this, they are set for the year, and this is a whole economy for them. That is not the way we're set up at all. Okay. But there are guys that spend their entire year trainers uh, getting their guys to this point. Just like you with quarterbacks. There's somebody it, out there with tight ends. But we continue. Ends. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a tight end guy in California that's got every tight end. Oh, there is. The okay, I didn't know that. There yeah, is. I didn't a, know. Did you know that? No. You know, I didn't know that. Les we, Spellman is probably the best speed work guy in the country. I'll be down. And Les, you know, he probably, I don't know, he's at 60 guys here. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. That, there's so there's this, other tra- there's trainers. There's the an economy around this. None of us, I don't know if this helps the NFL. I don't know anything about this, like if, what it actually, how it translates, but I mean, it's what we do for a living, and so we prepare these guys, and, and some guys do it year-round. All, right. all right, take me through before we let you go. What, what's your, what's, for, you, for all three of you guys, what's the rest of the week like? What do you got? I'm mostly focused in on Austin Reed. Okay. So okay. anything Austin needs, I've got him in. Um, Will's you know, working a little bit with Austin, but focused in on Caleb quite a bit. Okay. Um, and so Austin, Austin's excited. You know, Austin is just an amazing story anyway. And so it's, we went out to dinner last night. We both sat there and looked at each other, and he said, like, what are we doing here? And it's a cool thing because, yeah, I mean, five years ago, neither one of us could have ever dreamt that yeah. we would be here in the position that we're in. And so for me, like, that's, that's what all this is about is, is a local kid, St. Augustine product, who, who didn't have a traditional route here but just kept going, and now he is largely considered one of the 14 best at what he does. Yeah, he'll get drafted, right? I think so. He'll get I drafted. think so. I hope so. He's a great interview. Yeah. You know, the board work, he absolutely crushes. Yeah. He's, he's very smart. The bigger thing, and the thing about Caleb, too, and the, the thing that has stuck out to me about those two guys and everybody else we've got at, at home, they just love this game. Re, uh, Caleb, the other day, Saturday, we're trying to keep it quiet that he's in Jacksonville. He pops up at six points. Right. And he's just watching high school guys throw and giving right. them pointers right. and stuff like that, and they just love football, and they, that's all they want to do. How many meetings does Austin have set up with teams, roughly? I, you know, I don't even know um, because they now with the bowl games, with the way he played in the Shrine Bowl, okay. and so you so get a lot of those there. meetings done then. And so I think a lot of the stuff you get are informal. He sent me a list, and it was a good number. Um, I don't know how many formals he had, but informal he had quite a few. What's the difference between formal and informal? I really, I think the informal is just something that everybody knows you're going to. It's a private meeting. It's set up. There's a, there's a, you know, you've got the time that you need there. Whereas an informal is a little bit more of I don't know the timeline, but we got five minutes, ten minutes, whatever, and then you're just going to go to the next place and, and so on. Um, but not, I don't think there's many guys that, from what I've seen, that played in senior or Shrine Bowl that have a ton of formals. So those, those games are doing a good job, actually, of, of getting coaches to prospects earlier. Will Austin do his pro day at Western Kentucky? He will. Yeah, he'll okay. do it at Western Kentucky. Yep. yep. That is March 15th. You'll be up there? I will. All right. I'll yeah. be gone for like three weeks straight. We've got this five is your pro travel, days. This is your <laughs> yeah. travel season. We've got five pro days in 16 days. Yeah. What's Caleb going to do? USC. He'll, he'll do a normal, just a normal pro day. Yeah, he'll do a pro day out at USC, and I'm excited to go because I love L.A., so okay. I'm in. There you go. All <laughs> yeah. right. Danny Thompson, the quarterback was for a great work, man. Have fun Thank you. Week. Thank you. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, Mia will rejoin us. We will wrap kind of our weekend. We will not be here tomorrow, so we'll kind of wrap our three days and see what we saw. One more segment to go. That's next. Stay with us. 
The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 1010XL takes you to the NFL Scouting Combine. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show, live from Indy. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida. It's an old rock Thursday. Music, the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. You didn't think I wasn't playing this one for uh, you, did you? I, I never lost. You, you, you know. Never lost faith. Okay. This is the Hayes authority Carl- song was going to be coming at some point. The, this is Hayes Carlisle's favorite. It's a great song. Oh, it's so great uh, Mellencamp song, so I was going to play that for you. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carlisle from the Bowl School. Mia O'Brien is here, former second baseman for the Ithaca Firebirds. <laughs> here we go. One one of these days we're going to figure this yeah. out. One, of, the, one of these we days go. we're going to figure it out. There yeah. we go. Um, Ithaca actually almost changed their mascot. This is a real real story. Firebirds is never in play? No. Year before I got to Ithaca, um, because the mascot's the Bombers, but we don't actually like have an animal. It's, right. just, it's just the Bombers. Right. Um, and so they wanted to have one, and so the vote was for – the flying squirrel, the phoenix, or the lake monster. Oh, and then the uh, they monster. got two months into voting and decided that, no, that was offensive because oh. it's the bombers. We're not changing it. So while everyone else is changing their names, um, no, we are entrenched. We refuse to even have a mascot. We are the bombers. And it was very nice to catch up with so many bombers here at the NFL Combine so far and a couple more I'll see tonight. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we're everywhere. And everyone also, by the way, who thought I was from Iowa, there you go. No, I did not attend the University of Iowa. I just got a master's in partying from there. You didn't play second base for the Firebirds at any point? No, I actually never played um, softball. You didn't? Despite being a huge baseball fan, and I credit the New York Yankees for why I got into this crazy business. And I never – the only two sports Uh, I ever played organized were soccer and lacrosse, and I played both of them basically every day. Are the Yankees going to be good this year? I don't know. Because everybody I, thinks I, I they're going to be good. I, I, what's I, the, what's I, that I mean, meme? I, I, I speak, if I speak, I am big trouble or whatever right, that that right, meme right, is. Right. Yeah, that's – I mean, I don't know. They're, like, they're in a – I don't want to call it like Philadelphia Eagles, like to put it in NFL terms because it's like – but they have talent. They have all pro talent yeah. on the roster. They have a manager who was retained <clears throat> but told he needed to change everything else. He can then Nick Sirianni. But is it actually going to come to fruition? Did their window close? They obviously make a big deal for Juan Soto. I know I was talking with a couple people in the New York media market who also cover baseball, and the possibility of Blake Snell, like, is that looming? I don't know. If it, they get Blake Snell, this will be their best roster in 15 years. So yeah. so we'll yeah. see if that matters. And I, now, now, Stanton can't play 60 games. Right. He's got to be healthy, and they've got to be. Again, akin to the Eagles. They can't yeah. stay healthy either. Yeah, so. yeah. So, so we'll see. We didn't get to What did you think of Florida last night? Yeah, we didn't. We, we were so busy. Um, I thought that was a win you needed to get. I think when you start, when you become a winning team, we said this about the Jaguars, it's hard to be the team that handles success. You've got to learn how to do it. I thought the ejection of Clayton was bizarre. Yes. I thought, and all of a sudden you're playing without you're one of your two best players. For 14 minutes, I thought that was a find a way to win the game. I, I thought good teams find a way to win. They've won what, 10 out of 12 now? Yeah. And the two losses are are one point at A&M and overtime against one of the best teams in the country. I think they're playing at a really high level. I, I, I Mia votes, so so you probably pay attention to all these other teams more than we do, Mia. But I think they're playing like one of the good teams. I'm not, that doesn't mean they can go beat Purdue or Kansas, but I think they're playing 
like one of the better teams in the country. Contrary to what Frank Frangie believes, all five starters for Florida can score at any time. Yeah. And that is more than yeah. most teams in the country can say. Yeah. Yes, Micah, Micah Carlion. Car yeah. Micah Hanlock. Micah Olajuwon. Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> can, in fact, score when he needs to. By the way, he is... Ever since I've started ripping him and Hayes has become his agent, yes. he's he was great last yeah, night, 12 and 12 well. last and night. Samuel, really. I mean, he was spectacular. Best, lose, best game he's played yeah, as a Yeah, you lose yeah, Clayton career. with yeah. 14 minutes left yeah. on a bizarre sequence, and, and uh, Samuel just basically goes and says, okay, I'll score 20. And very quickly, speaking of basketball, because I do want to get yours and me as final thoughts from the sure. combine here, but speaking of basketball, tough night for both JU and UNF. That was tough to see them both lose. Now UNF unlikely to have a home game. Yeah, it looks like they're going to be the five seed. So, so they'll travel. And JU now has got a really battle to get in. Now. I, I still think if they win tomorrow night, they're I would think they're a they're, clinch they're, if they, they they're clinch in, a they spot. win tomorrow night, but yeah. they to get into the uh, tournament. But they're in some danger. Uh, I mean, final thoughts now. We've been here for three days. We'll be here tomorrow, by the way. We just won't have the show on the air because we'll we're going to fly in the afternoon. And Rick Blue moves up and does his show earlier. But uh, final thoughts, what, what, what uh, your three days so far? Yeah, um, obviously pretty comprehensive, kind of a whirlwind of sorts. You're trying to cram a whole heck of a lot into a short amount of time, see as many people as you can. And I can't even imagine being, you know, one of the players and how much they have to do while they're here, the agents, the coaches. I mean, it is it is a jam-packed schedule, um, to say the least. You know, it, it's so funny. I came into this week refusing to believe the rumors I had heard the Jaguars were so dead set at corner. The three days I've been here, I've been like, oh, my God, they are going corner. But then in the conversations I've had this afternoon, I'm like, maybe they're not. Maybe maybe they are. You know, it's a, it's a, definitely a possibility, but maybe it's not as much of a surefire commandment as I believed it to be a day ago. I was really impressed today with the corners that we saw, the guys that we've heard in consideration perhaps at 17 for the Jaguars. Rakeshaw, uh, Mitchell out of Toledo. I thought Terry and Arnold was fantastic, the Alabama corner, and listening to him up at the podium. Uh, and there's others too. Yeah, that, I mean, you know. I thought I think there's great value on day two with like yeah. a Cam Hart out of Notre Dame, a Kyrie Jackson out of Oregon, yeah. Mike Samerschell out of uh, Michigan. The nickel corner was extremely impressive too. Good length, I thought for yeah. the whole group. I mean, mm -hmm. pretty much going down the line yeah. of, of podium guys. Very tall. I think there's a lot of tall groups. guys, which yeah. I know Coach Campo, of course, a former DB coach. He loves the tall guys. That's part of why he looks at Tyson and he's just like, oh, that's a corner I would have loved to coach. There's a lot of those in this class. My uh, my take from the from the whole week, not just players here is that as I expected and hoped that asking everybody, and remember I've done a lot of shows with a lot of the other teams in the division and elsewhere, there's still a belief that the Jaguars are someone to be wary of. You can, now, look, everyone always says something nice to each other's play-by-play -play guy or whatever, but I can tell it's not like I've been here enough times where people didn't think the Jags were going to be any good. Well, I've, I've done that enough. You can tell people – are more fearful of the eight and three Jags than they are confident that the one and five Jags are coming back. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I do think that, that, that there's been a lot of that. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I would agree. I just I think the Jaguars are certainly in the mix to be good. Yeah. I think everybody realizes that's that, the belief here. Yeah, that that they're that, that the AFC is just so deep. Right. So it's hard to put any sort of major expectations on. Look, probably any team outside of Kansas City and even Baltimore. Look, Burrow's coming back. Cleveland had a great year. 
Uh, we'll see about the Steelers. The Jets uh, think Aaron Rodgers yeah, and the everything exactly. they have. Uh, and the Dolphins, you know, can't be discounted. It's so, a great conference. I mean, I mean it really there's a lot is. of good teams. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, you go and a really good division yeah, all of a sudden, or right. a pretty dang good division. In pretty all much of a every division, you go at least three deep. Because even in the West now, you have to respect the Chargers, what they could be with the Harbaugh Herbert uh, partnership. And, uh, you know, we'll see about Denver. But, look, Sean Payton kind of got it going a little bit. We'll see what they do at quarterback. That may be the, the weakest of the four. But, uh, but there are a lot of, lot of good teams in that conference. And, and the Jaguars are, are certainly right there. All right, let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Rick Blue, we were just saying while we mm. were here for three days now that mm-hmm. there there seems to be a belief. I'll tell you what I just told these two a minute ago. I think that the league it more believes that the eight and three Jaguars are who they are, not the one and five Jaguars, Rick. And I don't know everyone always says something nice about everybody else's team. I get that. But looking in their eyes, I don't I think people feel like Jags have coach and quarterback figured out and they're gonna be in the mix. Do you do you sense are you surprised that that's kind of the, the belief here? You know, I'm not because they're one of only a few teams in the NFL that has a Super Bowl-winning head coach. And, you know, I think regardless of what happened a year ago, Trevor Lawrence is considered a top-ten quarterback. It gets back to my biggest concern, and that's been that way for the last several years. Protect them. Give them the best offensive line that that, that money can bring. And then figure out, is Trevor Lawrence... Uh, the guy, and uh, it's amazing because uh, I, I've noticed the turn, and I've noticed the Jaguar fans. I'm not saying they're greedy, but if you just look at two years, man, it's a much better starting point now, nine and eight, than having the top pick in consecutive years. But that's not good enough. They they were told that this team was going to win the AFC South and that they would be a playoff team. So, yeah, I would agree with a lot of that. But this becomes such an important off season with all these decisions that this organization is going to have to make, including the draft. So, I mean, every day is is really, you know, kind of a treat uh, around here. How about the story yesterday, going from 23rd to 5th as far as the NFL PA and uh, the yeah. brand-new Miller Electric right. Center? And you, you got to believe that that could be um, a deciding point if it's uh, a, a potential free agent who's looking at coming here and perhaps somewhere else. Maybe that ends up being Good the point. difference maker. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not surprised by that, but you got to keep your quarterback healthy. Yeah, what's coming up tonight on the program, right? We got, got all that. The very latest uh, from where you guys are at. I'm uh, going to express my opinion on what I've been able to see so far today, obviously with you guys uh, there watching it on uh, NFL Network. I think it's been a pretty good day here uh, for the defensive front seven. So take a look at that and uh, everything else that is Jaguars football. We'll mix in a little bit of golf. That's all coming up here over the next two hours. All right. Thank you, Rick. Safe trip back. uh, Safe travels to uh, to all three of you. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate it very much. Rick Palou, and he goes into the night right now. That'll be it for our live shows from Indianapolis. Uh, Tomorrow, Rick moves up and goes a little early. We'll be traveling during that time slot. But we'll be here tomorrow gathering one more day of information. Thanks for being part of our program. Uh, For the absent, Lauren Brooks on vacation. For R.J. Saunders, Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, Mia O'Brien. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM.